The following program is a fan-made review and reaction show. It is in no way affiliated with the movie trivia Schmodown or Skybound Entertainment. And welcome in, everybody. This is the Inner Geekdom final review from the Ultimate Schmodown Show. Welcome in. I'm going to be your host today. Paul and Morris joining me are the boys, John Boggs. We've made it to the end of the line. This is the tournament. We've been at it all summer, and it is a bit corrupt around here, if I do say. Boggs, we've made it this far. How are you feeling, man? We've made it. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's been a long journey. This and the Star Wars tournament, um, it's kind of occupied our summer. I'm kind of thankful for it happening in the first place. So, uh, obviously, lots of twists and turns, um, some big wins. Uh, so, yeah, I can't wait to get into it with, with you guys. And, John, I mean, it's been great over the last few months, you know, hanging out with you guys and, you know, really, really, really getting back into the Schmodown. And these tournaments, they've, they've been a treat. Uh, and where does this one do you think where did where does this one rank for you you know of, over the years of watching you know the Shimoto? oh interesting uh i mean it's probably right alongside i would have to say uh the previous inner geekdom tournament that saw the rise of mark Knopic, if i had to say you know mm -hmm. obviously that was a great tournament in of itself uh we got the all-time legendary match of mara versus rachel cushing which was great uh, but then also, I think if you look back at this tournament, we got to see a little bit more kind of intermatch rivalries that happened, whereas that last tournament, obviously, the big story was Mike and Corruption, whereas this time, the big story was Mike, but also Chance of Corruption. So I guess not a lot has changed, Colin, but <laughs> that's why they were both so good, I guess. And it's crazy to think that we've come... It's... It's been, I mean, over a year since the rise of Mara Kanopic. Like, that is truly one of the unheralded rises in all of Schmodown history hmm. until this tournament. This tournament saw the rise of a superstar and the creation of a hashtag that I am going to start trending. Chance with a three at the end instead of an E. Because now my triple belted favorite to be is Chance Ellison. And that's that's what we're here to talk about. Because this is what, folks, it's corruption. All right? The corruption's got me, my brain rattled. Let's get into it. Mike versus Chance, the IG final that we've all been waiting for. Shannon out here running both, managing both guys which is now, you know, Christian drops it at the top of the show. Because of the digital world, Shannon is able to manage both of her players equally and fairly, did it in the speed round where she wasn't involved with either one of their answering calls. And I thought that went, you know, as well as it could have. But pregame, John, where are you at? I mean, I, I, know it's, I know it's a lot because you got the heralded Mike Kalinowski going up against the apprentice chance. But is there any, you know, are you leaning a certain way before this match starts? 
Yeah, I mean, I was definitely leaning towards Mike when the match started. Obviously, last episode we talked about how I had uh, previously bet against Mike uh, when I came to Alex Damon, and that didn't go so hot for me. Uh, but also, you know, Mike is one of the original OGs of the Inner Geekdom division. That division has been his bread and butter. Not that it wasn't in this match, just that that is kind of the thing that he is associated for. And Chance, there is that kind of question of, all right, what exactly is this guy going to be able to do? I mean, obviously, he took out the untested rookie sensation of Robert the Spider Parker. Obviously, he managed to take on the slightly more tested uh, barbarian of the Finstock Exchange. But it's one of those things we always have to question, like, all right, is the momentum going to keep going? Is this guy who's been surprising us match after match going to continue to surprise us? Or is it going to be that moment where he's just faced with someone that's a little bit stronger than him? I really wasn't sure. I was leaning towards Mike, though, Colin. I cannot tell a lie. Well, show me your hand and prove it otherwise. And so, Boggs, I know where you're leaning, so I'm not even going to ask that question. Uh <laughs> What was your biggest fear for Chance going into this match? Chance, finish this sentence. Chance loses this match if. If he, if um, Mike spun DC or DCEU in the second round. That's what I thought. I just thought, I presumed that his knowledge of maybe the older movies, because we kind of discussed that with Chance that, the older ones, he doesn't have necessarily the in-depth knowledge, um, as maybe as much as Mike Mike would, you know, because of the age, because of what's available at the time. So maybe that, maybe if um, kind of Mike's from Star Trek, um, that's pretty much it. Uh, so they're pretty equal going in. Obviously, they're sparring partners, in effect. Um, so I was, yeah, I was just so happy just to watch it. I would. I wanted to see a good match at the end of the day. I didn't want to see, um, you know, someone potentially being maybe more relaxed, more uh, just, I wanted that intensity that um, I wanted to see who wants it more kind of thing. So um, I, I don't know. So yeah, what, I mean, we're playing, these are the two best outside of the, the two people playing in the, in the final. So sorry, in the uh, next title match. So uh, I just wanted a good match to be honest with you. And, and then we got it, fortunately. You're right. We got it. And let's get into it because round one, guns a-blazing. And it it pops off question two. We get our first miss. Uh, Kalinowski going with uh, Snoke over General Hux yeah. uh, with the quote. Uh, already reminding us of every match it felt like Chance had played in this tournament. He had been – he got the early lead on every single player he played in this tournament. And that seemed to be an advantage of his. And not only that, they both missed the parcel mouth uh, question from Harry Potter. And then going further, they both missed the uh, Darius uh, father of Xerxes question. Uh, again, from 300 Rise of an Empire, clearly. <laughs> I the, hate uh, that movie. On... I haven't seen it. But I hate that movie. <laughs> Clearly on the minds of yeah. the question writers uh, yeah. over the last couple of weeks um, and really making a stance on what is and what is not a comic book movie. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like graphic novels are making the stand. V for Vendetta making another showing in this match and 300 Rise of an Empire. It might only be two runs of a, of a comic, but 
those movies were pretty popular at the time. And obviously you're sticking with the writers, John. Um, what was your thought when Mike missed that? Not just the second, but the third question in round one. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not so much that I think these two went into round one guns blazing. I mean, I suppose if their guns were maybe set to stun, perhaps, but certainly not the dominant performances. I mean, coming off of both of their previous matches against the Barbarian for Chance and against Alex Damon for Mike, they were both coming off of perfect round ones. So I did see that first round. I was like, okay, this is definitely at least starting off a bit more relaxed. Clearly, the wardrobe was not just for show. It did seem like these two weren't necessarily coming at it as hard as they have come in other matches because we did see that seven to eight lead by chance. To answer your question specifically, though, Colin, there was that element of me that was like, okay, was that was that the uh, Ace versus Laura Kelly moment? You know, was that that moment where even just early on that singular point winds up being the thing that decides the match? And it wasn't. And you know, it certainly was not a bad round one. But it was one of those kinds of things where I was like, all right, let's see if the let's see if the steam picks up a little bit as far as this match continuing forward with four other rounds. And it's interesting when you're looking at the questions being asked, very difficult questions coming from Middle Earth with the Undying Lands. Um, the I, I could not get the last name for Mr. Glass. I remember his name being Elijah, mm-hmm. just couldn't get the Elijah Price. But then hearing both of them say that that was a question that they went over together. Again, seeing that they missed a lot of the same questions, which I think is interesting, you know, an interesting thing to look at. They both miss uh, Parcel Mouth and they both miss Darius, and only having, you know, the one uh, difference being question two. Uh, Boggs. Our boy didn't have a perfect first round. The, and I was the, like, no. <laughs> that was it for us, man, that um, we've been riding this for weeks. It's been a month of this. And uh, I was a little worried that it was going to get to him because we know yeah. just how much it means to him. We know how much that's a part of his game. He feels a sense of security just getting to that extra pointer, even if he doesn't get it. The mm. fact that he got there and the other one didn't. But to still come up with the one-point lead is – still favorable so i mean where are you at going into round two are are you worried are you are you still conf- as confident as you were going in or are you a little you know did that non-perfect round one uh give you some trouble a little bit a little bit mainly i was just a bit gutted for him because you know as we discussed with him that you know that's where he does his best work that's where that's his strongest round he didn't go perfect i think that's um maybe a good problem to have like just getting kind of nine out of ten so uh, obviously, still had the lead, so that was the main thing. Uh, but just going back to the start, so I just remembered the promo um, of uh, obviously that was cut. Um, I did really like it, just them two kind of uh, showing their highlight reel. And for some reason, all I could think of the whole way, I really like the music as well that they use. But for some reason, all I could imagine was, you know, the corruption team kind of promo against the founding fathers team is just going to be like so electric. Like, imagine like. You see moral highlights, Roka highlights, you know, chance highlights, Kalaski highlights, and Shannon and Finster. It's like, what is that's going to be crazy? Like, that'll literally, I will literally be on the edge of my seat for that match. So, that's all I could think of watching that promo for me because that was like half of it. Like, I was waiting for the other half to just like explode. So, I'm and super looking forward to it. When Mike pops up with the box of drumsticks, it's like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> what do you want me to talk bad about my friend? 
Yeah, he's no! chilling. Right? Yeah. Which I thought was great. I thought that was a perfect opportunity if this was for the old Mike to return of any sort of, you know, corruption, you know, to be done. Mm. Uh, that would have been the time, you know, that would have been the time in, in, in the storyline. But, you know, yeah. he stuck with his boy. They stuck together and they, they really had that ride or die mentality in this match. And you could tell they were both like, oh, good guess. You know, they're throwing, you know, <laughs> we're getting to round two, you know, Dumb, top of round yeah. two, that first question, you know for mike and chance goes oh good guess there bud and mike <laughs> doesn't argue it like mike's like yeah it was a pretty good guess so uh it felt like we were in the midst of one of their training sessions but yeah. uh it just meant a little more so i mean yeah that promo had me going i was i was in that music was hype it felt like anytime you know we get that that han zimmery feel to something you know the the tension's building it's rising it also sounds like the music they used in the uh the American hero story from Watchmen and the guy comes in with the, the Trent Reznor type sound behind it. Any, any kind of, you know, hardcore stuff like that. I dig. Well, let's say slow two. motion, like points from Mike and chance, like, so good. And now that it's just gotten to the point where there's so much <laughs> footage of them to use for this stuff that you just can't mess up. That, that is like, that's just, it's just all there for you to use. And I mean, they gave us more in round two um chance starting out taking dc um getting every question right going to multiple choice twice mm -hmm. um that first question with the bikes incredibly hard you that that's something you gotta you had to have been maybe like you know in the right age group to just remember that and have it hit your brain you know in the right time or, or you know study it but uh going into uh even planet houston great question that's a great question because he even gave the little General Zod nod. Blood at Houston. That, that, that was pretty good. Uh, Michael Jackson, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, every, everything in that round for DC, those first two questions seem to be the hardest ones. Everything else seemed mm -hmm. to be, like we keep saying, knowing stuff. And he just knew those last three questions. Um, John, how did you feel about Chance's performance in round two? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was strong. It definitely seems a little bit more like getting back on track and gaining that steam that I was saying I felt like we were missing a little bit out of round one. Definitely a lot of hard questions and a lot of very impressive polls. Definitely, you know, talking about Batman Forever, the only thing I remember trivia-wise about that movie is just how much Tommy Lee Jones hated Jim Carrey. So it was impressive to even remember that there were bikes in that movie. I mean, how could you pay attention to that Sorry, I don't know if you guys can hear that. It sounds like aliens are abducting the construction crew outside of my apartment. That's super fun. So let's go ahead and bounce it to someone besides me as I wait to see if the aliens come to rapture me, Colin. All right, Boggs. So are you obviously this picks up a little momentum for chance, but the real kicker in this round, I'll throw it to you. The steal of Mike's second question. That to me is the moment where I'm up like, let's go. We're back in this. You know, after if you were feeling down, were you with me? Were you cheering? I went, Mike. That literally that was my reaction. I was like, Mike, what are you doing? No multiple choice, no repeat, no nothing. I was like, Mike. I thought, oh, is this what everyone's saying? Is this is this is this where they're gonna throw the match? But obviously, it was just it was just a guess. It was such a close guess though. Um obviously they mentioned that same. I forgot which um, school it was, but um, the they mentioned the same one straight Perfectly. after. Sorry, just before, yeah. So, yeah, it was it was unlucky because it is in the same sentence in effect or the same scene. So that I thought, okay, that's fair enough. But um, you know, 
to be honest with you, obviously I, I'm a big uh, like boxing fan, a fight fan. And my personal favorite fighters, and it's obviously easy choice to make, are the ones that you know the, the top of the top echelon of the sport. So you know, like the um, the people that have unification, like have the most belts, basically, because you know, like they have a certain aura about them, and like they um, they've played in so many big occasions, and just you know that their training is correct, you know that they're they're being looked after well, you know everything is, and it just had the same kind of feeling in this match. You're just watching two people at the top of their game going for three belts and three divisions, just have fun. It was just like a sparring match with kind of just Shannon just you know, kind, kind of patting her little uh, kind of her little brother on the back saying, oh, well done, you know, and, uh, and obviously and telling Mike, you know, like, you know, come on, this is what we need to do, etc. So I just kind of, whoever missed, whoever didn't miss, I was, as long as the scores were close-ish, I, I didn't, I wasn't really, really bothered. I was just more impressed with just seeing them go back and forth and how well they and how much they know. So it was just a, yeah, it was just a top match all around. And speaking of Shannon, uh, I think this was the first time that the, you know, the Schmodown world actually gets to see her manage, you know, like really, really yeah. see her managerial skills, you know, other than, you know, she doesn't have to, you know, go full heel because there's mm. no one to go heel at. So yeah. she could just sit there and talk to contribute boys. more, and, basically. Yeah. yeah. And she is great with them. You know, even you could tell the way she is with Mike, you could tell the way she is with Chance that mm. they both listen to her. They both, you know, it's not. It's not, you know, cookie cutter stuff. They're talking, mm. you know, she knows that Chance likes to go first. Mm. And she's not yet. I bet if Mike was in that situation, if Mike had the opportunity to go first and was leading going into round two, I guarantee she would have said, hey, go first. You know, he likes mm. to go first. So why don't you yeah. go first? You know, I, there's definitely an opportunity. You could tell she wasn't going to be the one that had anything to do with this going somebody's way that it shouldn't have gone. Mm. So uh, other than that, I mean, I thought Mike's round two was pretty, you know, for MCU stuff. That's that's pretty. Uh, the hardest question is is was Steve Rogers' father. That that's mm. a hard pull. That's from mm. the first ten minutes of that Captain America movie, where if you mm -hmm. it, when he's not Captain America, so it's uh, it's the stuff that you tend to not remember about that movie. Mm. But great pull from Mike, and it's eighteen to fourteen at the end of round two, uh, bringing us to the betting round which has always been one of my favorite rounds in these five rounders. And lo and behold, it's opponent's choice. And what gets talked about is a little mini story throughout the match is that Mike has been training on Star Trek over the last couple of weeks. And John, where are we going? We are going to a galaxy far, far away. No, wait, that's the other one. Yes. Uh, no, I mean, considering that, you know, that, that is something that Kalinowski has very clearly been prepping. It almost makes me wonder if he's going to utilize his corruption powers, not to meddle with this match, as some folks were saying, but maybe just to manifest a Star Trek division into being, you know? Like, if he's maybe thinking, well, I can't necessarily get the Star Wars belt from Alex. I'll just make myself a new Star belt. Uh, but it was, a, it was a solid pull for Mike, and it clearly play to his favor because he was able to close that lead that he found himself staring down at the end of the first and second rounds. Uh, it obviously going into that a four point lead by chance. That's tough to face down, even if it is your, your friend and your son. Uh, but he was able to get star Trek and he put that faith in himself too. That's the other thing. When it comes to the betting round, it's all about not just the momentum, not just about the knowledge, but also the faith that you put into yourself. Mike had the faith that he was going to be able 
to get some big points in Star Trek, and it paid off for him. Meanwhile, Chance, he knew that it wasn't necessarily something he was as strong with. That's why he spun away from it in round two. So he played it a little bit safe while still, you know, betting a point. He didn't go full zero. He did still put up a point, and that's why he was still able to keep the lead because both these guys are strong. But that's one of my favorite things about the five-pointer rounds is that not only is it the championship-level contenders like Box was talking about, those folks who are really prepped and ready to go and have proven that they can hang, but also the fact that they have that faith in themselves because that's a huge thing as well in matches. It's not just momentum, it's confidence, Colin. Yeah, and I'm looking at all this, Boggs, and you're and you gotta be thinking, Mike's coming back here. They're like the door is open, right? Like the like chance didn't do enough. That one point bet did not do enough to help close the door. Are you thinking, are you with me there? Like, you know, Mike's got a chance here. Yeah, so Mike's got to be the luckiest player I've ever seen with the wheel. Like, how many times he's spun his particular exact favorite slices. So, um, But he's got quite a few, especially in, in the geekdom. So it, it really is a compliment to how strong he is as a player. Um, obviously, yeah, he's better three. I knew he was going to bet three. I was more interested in what chance he was going to bet. Um, so obviously he bought the deficit a bit closer, but uh, no doubt in my mind he was going to get that question right. Um, but yeah, just on the back of what you're saying, John, that I, I like, I would absolutely love a Star Trek division because um, we've got a lot of elite players who are hardcore fans of Star Trek that would. So I think it would immediately make the division stronger. So like, I know Kamalowski is, I know Roka is, Irwin, Morrill, Mance, um, obviously Smets, you know, and the rest of the kind oh, of anyone over the age of. Yeah, like 30 yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like that's like an elite division. So, you know, it's, um, I'd love that personally. I'm being a Star Trek guy. So, uh, yeah, it was, no surprise Mike brought it closer. He's one shock, is one of his strengths. Uh, going into round four, I was super excited for thinking, um, you know, how, what's going to happen here. Right. So let's get to it. Round four. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm perplexed by this system. There, mm -hmm. there's just uh, kinks that can be worked out to some of this. That when these players go back and rewatch this, they're gonna say, "Oh, that was a little interesting." So, having watched this twice, uh, not that it mattered in most of the situations, but some of the blunders that were uh, said, uh, you know, didn't end up affecting things. Basically, like a uh, Christian one time called uh, Allison uh, the the the. The actress who plays Queenie in the Fantastic Beast movies, when he read the question off to Mike, he said, Alan. So I said like a man's name for Mike's asking of the question. But Mike mm -hmm. still got it right. So it didn't end up mattering in the first place. But had me thinking that there might be a process to where some of this could be pre-recorded, Not the questions themselves and then running some form of the track. Because there's when when we're on these calls and guys, we know this. You can talk over one another. You could lose what the other person says. Mm. And when we're in a time crunch like that, it's a, uh, it's a lot. And I could tell that there, like even, even Christian was a little rattled at the end of chances questions because he just kind of sat there at the end and chance passed the question. And then he asked the question and then said, Oh, that's it. It was just no countdown. There was yeah, no countdown. No, countdown, no, no, but they, he, <laughs> He told Mike, look up in the corner, but he didn't mm. tell Chance that. He did not tell Chance that the timer is on the screen. 
He told mm. Mike that, and then Mark reiterated that the timer starts when you when he is done asking the question. So we got to find some form of uh, you know a system to this that is you know that is the same for everyone because right now every person has not gotten the same like level of questions being asked to the, at, at the same rate or at the same speed. It's just not the same because even then Christian during uh, Mike's round said it wasted time by saying, and going back, like, I know that's not much, but in a, mm. in a minute of time for him to use time to say, and going back to the questions before that's a detriment to Mike, even though he ended mm. up getting those questions, right. That's the kind of stuff that it's like, you will have managers like, Kaiser and um, Dagnino not standing for issues like that, because that's yeah. going to be something that will really affect the championship match down the road. If they do guys, tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm being a little too harsh. Let I me mean, I, it, it is one of those things I think where it kind of does boil down to a little bit of just factoring in human error at the end of the game, at, at the end of the game, at the end of the day, this game is always going to be hosted by human beings, as far as I know, at least for the near future. So I think when you have a game that's hosted by people, sometimes people, you know, they'll say, they'll use filler words. Uh, all three of us know that sometimes we have a tendency to use ums and us and likes when we're just broadcasting. So I completely understand, you know, the, and oh, and going back to this. I understand that. I also yeah, want and, and to I, let everyone know, I completely uh, understand that. Coming it from yeah. the critical eye. Yeah, so I mean, you know, I'm I'm looking at it more from just the production side of it, I guess, right? Something that we all know, or sometimes, you know, you gotta use those filler words. Sometimes reading is difficult. Sometimes you gotta make sure that you have your right place in your notes. So I get it, and I kind of wonder if maybe that'll more just be a strategy used by the players going on. Remember, like I don't know, I don't remember if Chance got the uh, choice of going first or second in the speed round. But maybe that's something that managers and players do think about, where if they are given that choice, maybe they go, let's have the opponent go first, as opposed to other rounds where you want to keep up that momentum. Maybe we have the other opponent go first in this round, so that way there is that maybe extra bit of human error for them when they have to hear it versus when they then get to go and get a slightly more polished Christian reading the questions. I think it's one of those things where you can definitely argue that, oh, it you know, makes some things a little bit ickier. But I would argue that, again, that's just kind of a facet of the game. It's not just purely knowledge. It is also knowing how to play the game itself. And I think that this new speed round was uh, evidence of that. And here I go again going ums. What I found a little bit more interesting about this speed round, Colin, and I don't know if you and Boggs agree with me, but I liked that we did get a little bit more of an explanation as to who got what points. We didn't get that so much in the Star Wars uh, championship tournament match. I was glad that we got that breakdown this time around hearing, okay, here's how many questions they got right. Here's what they got wrong. Here's how that equals up to different points. I really liked getting that, especially because we needed it because we got a new leader of the match with this round, Colin. Yeah, and distinguishing between the passing questions and the questions that were mistaken was a big thing that I appreciated, you know, distinguishing between those two. Um, yeah, and I'm totally with you. Human error is totally the thing. And if you got to ride it to be number two, to have, you know, to have it be the, you know, third or fourth time he's reading the sentence as opposed to, you know, the first or second on air, 
that is something I totally agree with that, you, you know, might just have to be something that players get on board with. Um, also, 10 questions in 60 seconds is a lot. Uh, eight, if you're going to have them passing on questions, eight. But uh, somebody will shut me up when somebody gets all 10 of these right. But until we see somebody get all 10 of these right, there's probably going to be, you know, some form of argument behind it. Not necessarily from me, but, you know, Bucks. It's 25-23, man. He lo- Chance lost two points, passed on two. Uh, looks like Mike only passed on two. Didn't get any incorrect. Mm-hmm. So I mean, what are you thinking here, man? This is it's a whole new ball game. Yeah, I just thought Mike, like some of his questions, how fast he was just, he was just getting them out. I thought he was going to get all 10, actually. Like the way he was answering, I think he got six in a row or something. Um, and it was particularly the Wolverine one. How many uh, movies did Hugh Jackman one? Like he just he just instantly he, he, uh, nine, didn't he? And obviously chances he passed, and then the second time he was trying to count, and obviously he still couldn't get it. But um, just them little kind of. Um, I think basically he did uh, he did earn the lead there because of how well he played. Um, but yeah, just on the back of what you're saying, John, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, if I was playing in a five round, I'd probably go second. Just let Christian iron out his pronunciations and the flow of things and things like that so it gives it him a practice run almost like a live rehearsal for, for me so yeah that's, that's probably a good idea tactically that might be a good a good thing to do um but yeah it was um yeah i just thought mike was basically solid in in round four and i thought oh chance man you've you know you've gone from the lead to being like two down um and also the the calculations at the end was really uh, helpful so you, they could have a little discussion afterwards they could um, potentially challenge anything that they didn't, they didn't agree with or uh, they could go through further. There was like a little discussion afterwards like between Christian, obviously. You uh, could tell there was a bit of a Kansen break, right? Chris- yeah, yeah. There was a bit of a cut. Yeah, a bit of a cut. Yeah, but that definitely helped with the overall situation. Oh, so yeah. although, yeah, loads of things could be ironed out better, it was much better than the Star Wars kind of round. So I just think every kind of title match, every five round, it will just get better and better, hopefully anyway. But um. Excellent point, John. I didn't even think of that. That you know, you could go second as a tactical advantage. Yeah, that was a great shot. That's why he's here. That's why we have <laughs> him here. Uh, round five. We've made it to the championship round, and we're swinging haymakers. It's round five. We're throwing uppercuts. We're throwing jabs. Mike's throwing yeah. some kidney shots. Like it's getting rough out here in these streets, and. What do we say every single week on this show? Take me to my five-pointer. If you take me to my five-pointer, you have my respect. You have earned it. You have, in the words of Mulan, no, Hercules, we have gone the distance. There we go. Found it. We have gone the distance. And that is all we have to do. John, I, I mean, this is probably one of the best fifth rounds I've seen in a championship, just in terms of stacking questions in terms of overall, you know, making everybody feel like they're getting involved from the, you know, from the normies that watch this to the hardcore sweaties that watch this. That last question rattled me. To quote Mulan, this guy's got him scared to death. Uh, That was an intense fifth round, man. I feel like, you know, in every fifth round that I see, uh, from these guys, there's always that one question where I'm like, okay, I, I could have gotten that. I think I could have probably pulled that. I did not have that this time around. 
I feel like even questions that when I heard the answer, there was part of me that was like, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I knew that. I didn't know it. I didn't know it. This was really a fifth round full of fifth round caliber questions. I was interested going into it because I was a little bit worried about Chance. Uh, not because he's a bad player, of course, but because it did seem like he was beating himself up a little bit mm -hmm. after his fourth round performance, which while it was still a good performance, I get it. Obviously, he did not get as many points as he would have wanted. It was that moment where momentum did switch up against him. So I understood it, but he did just stick with it. It's similar to, honestly, it's similar to what we talked about with the Star Wars tournament final with Ace versus Andrew, where it's that element of not giving up. Chance stuck with it. He managed to get some hard pulls out, and that's why he was able to take Mike to his five, as you were saying, Colin. But it was, it was a whole heap and mess of tough questions. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm and I'm leaning towards uh, Mike's questions as one of the roughest batch. Like some of these deep cuts that he was thrown, you know, they were deep. These were deep, deep cuts. Hmm. And I mean, I've seen Lord of the Rings <laughs> endless amounts of times. Uh, our trumpet section in high school band was all uh, Lord of the Rings characters. My best bud and I were Merry and Pippin because we caused so much trouble. Like, you know, and, and there these Middle Earth questions, it makes me so bad because I feel like it's something that I've watched and read, you know, I haven't read the books as much as like Harry Potter, but still, and you get to these questions and they make you feel so dumb, like so, <laughs> so dumb. And I guess, John, is that, is that, is that what it's like watching Star Wars, like the Star Wars stuff? And there's like asking stuff and you're like, that's real. Like, that's a, that's a thing. Oh yeah, I mean this was this was insane. I mean, I got that even from movies that I had seen though with this match. You know what I mean? Like the uh, Star Lord question uh, up in round two with Mike, where uh, you know how he upset whatever kind of Duchess like that. That sounds like a thing a Star Lord would do. I'm pretty sure he was the only just... member sexually active, the only oh, sexually hey. active member of the Guardians. Who hey, we like... don't know what Groot gets up to, man. Look. We don't know what Groot gets up to. Older, but, uh, but yeah, first Groot, totally agree. We, we, you know, we got a, we got a couple more movies before younger Groot, you know. Yeah, let's, that, that, that's a fair thing to stress. And we'll Ever just Ever since right you got that. just a little bit of sap, you've gotten a whole lot more. <laughs> that's one of the best. Oh, no bad, no bad impression. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, man, these, these were some tough ones. Uh, obviously Chance got two different movie, superhero movie company names, which is absurd. And then Kalinowski, I totally got where he was coming from with just trying to envision any of the objectively silly names for things that exist in Lord of the Rings. Like, I, I, I like Lord of the Rings as well, but they got things called Brandywine, Brandybuck, all okay, these so just... There's a formula, right? You know how there's like the Wu-Tang Clan rap name generator? Like, you could put your, you can create anything. It's how Childish Gambino got his name. I feel like it's the same thing Tolkien did where it was just like... Uh, like a noun merger, and it would be like Bourbon Lane or <laughs> Bourbonshire or you know any kind of alcohol plus land type. And you, you got a Lord of the Rings place, John. I mean, I don't even remember what the answer was. 
Yeah. Well, I remember the answer to when I plugged my name into the Wu-Tang Clan generator name, and all I got was string cheese, and it didn't oh, feel very nice. It's pretty upset about that. But uh, <laughs> Boggs, what did you think of round five, buddy? Again, especially with Chance being your boy, starting off a little bit shakier on that round five, what were you thinking as far as going into it and then the result? Yeah, I was pretty much just glad Chance got the, the chance to – answer a round five uh, question because I was like, oh, people are saying all these things that you can't hit a five rounder. Um, I actually knew that one. That's the only one I knew in round three because it's the, a lot of events happen in that movie in that place. So they talk about it loads and it's just, uh, I just remember the, the name of that lab. Uh, but yeah, Mike's, I was, I, I didn't think he was um, stalling. I didn't think he was doing like a, trying to pull it he just uh, yeah i knew he didn't know it and he was kind of just stretching it out but yeah it was a bit brutal man uh he did kind of indicate earlier that lord of the rings weren't one of his stronger um slices as well so uh yeah obviously went down to the five round but uh i was getting more and more on the edge of my seat when every repeat i was like no no does he know it? no no like each one yeah so um yeah i was a bit gutted for him because uh, obviously I would have liked to see in the Smash match, but yeah, chance, man. Yeah, boy, you've done it. You know, we told you it'd be all uh, kind of corruption final. Uh, four wins. Played absolutely amazing, man. Uh, and there you go. Who said chance can't hit a five-rounder? Yeah, take that back. Yeah, um, come on this so, show and say it to our face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just... You know, one thing I've learned out of this tournament is that particularly I'm in the inner geekdom division, I noticed that I'm not in the future going to go off hype and I'm not going to go off particularly players recommendations about who is going to kind of win tournaments or because I remember specifically and quite clearly like for example Kalinowski and Smets saying that they think Parker is going to be the best IG player of all time and I'm thinking you got to prove it man you got to prove it even against them I would always back a champion or former champion for experience they've been there done it so yeah, I'm never going to, like, even the Barbarian, the thing started, guys, still saying now, uh, this guy is going to be a legit four-belted champion or a threat in four Like, no, not now. Like, no, I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to believe someone who's been there, done it, got experience over hype or over a newer player. So um, I did kind of establish that in the, even with respect to Star Wars as well, like, people were overhyped in certain players um, where I knew that kind of certain people had more experience, but um, but yeah, I just kind of noticed that out from the outset that I'm definitely going to take that in consideration when kind of making a prediction because, you know, coming from a sports angle, you kind of use all the data available to you and you, the way you analyze it and break it down and people's experience and the situation, you know, case by case, not just, oh, this guy, you know, these guys think this guy's going to win because, you know, they've seen that he's a good player. No, that's not enough for me. And I did kind of, um, yeah, moving forward, I'm not going to do that again. Yeah, well, I think Chance is kind of an interesting example of a middle ground there, Boggs. You know, mm -hmm. like certainly Chance is one of the newer players in the league. He just came mm -hmm. up in season six when yeah. the corruption tournament happened. So he's still one of the newer guys, yeah. but he does now also have, like you were saying, that experience. He's had a little bit of time in the league to feel out how the major leagues of this sport work, essentially. Mm -hmm. And yes, he's also got a belt to his name. But he didn't have that belt in inner geekdom going into this tournament. He'd only ever played one match before. And he'd lost to mm -hmm. everyone's favorite person, Brandon Hanna. So I think it is interesting to see a little bit, not just the hype and not just, you know, 
the new rookie sensation uh, flavor of the week, some might say. But mm. to see someone that does have that hype, that does have that knowledge, that is this this new force in the game, and then coupled with even just a little bit of major league experience, sometimes that's all it takes to make a great winning combination. And that's what Chance has, my friend. It does. Well, I just want to say, though, sorry, just, just to clarify, like I'm not holding it against anyone that does that. Just for me personally, that's just the way I like to break, break things down. Um, of course, you want to hype up a new player, you know, that, that's, you know, you think has got a great ability. Absolutely fine. Um, of course, you're within your rights to do that. But me, the way I analyse it, I was kind of buying into that, which I'm a bit disappointed with myself, even though I've still backed these kind of more experienced guys. Um, but even like, for example, I, I'll give you another example of this where kind of the Smets and Ch uh, Chandru situation, it's like a foregone conclusion that Smets is going to win this match. Like, I'm not seeing that. Like, I'm seeing Chandu is is what when they last played, did they not go to that down to five the the five rounder, right? Like the last question in the five round. So how is like everyone saying this match is going to win this match? It doesn't go like that. Uh, not for me anyway. That's just the way I kind of break things down. Um, and even with respect to um, uh, obviously the the pay per view that's happening for me, obviously going into it, like Roker's a four time champion, and like it seems like the majority of people want to go with Irwin just. He's a one-time champion. Like, just for me, I don't know, just from the outset, that's the way I like to break things down. So, um, but yeah, anyway, that's enough of my, <laughs> my, my mindset. No, I love it, man, because it's a whole, because that's how I come at it. Because I look at mm -hmm. it like, how often does, like, a Zion Williamson rookie sensation truly, like, have... The only one, not... Colin, I, I know the point you're going to make, sorry, the only one who I've ever thought of who's done that, in fact, there's two, I'll tell you, like, Ayama... <laughs> And uh, Mara Knopic. Yeah, that's it. This the, the history only of two. the only yeah. two to be able mm. to walk up, to be able to walk up and come that's up right. and snatch it, to mm. snatch the belt immediately. Like to come in to make that stance and say, mm. I'm here to do this, to do it. Mm. And now we're waiting for the next chapter from those two players because I know it's coming. I know Paulo Yama's got more things to say. I know Mara's got more things to say. John, who were you thinking of when I said that? Well, I was going to say, yeah, like he doesn't have the belt yet, but he could very easily, and that's Ace Cabrera. He was yeah. a very oh, nice yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Holy, holy. I, I know we all we love Ace, so I just yeah. want to make sure that we all remembered that we love Ace. You no, know no, what no, I doubt. mean? No doubt. You're right. Yeah. And that's the thing where it's like very rarely, though, very rarely, and Zion is even a very poor, uh, poor use of that because very rarely does a rookie come mm. in and do it on their own it's not it doesn't if we look at solo sports it just doesn't happen you know like mm. racers even like nascar uh formula one those kind of competitors you know it's like well we're driving here yeah but it's the guys that have been driving for like 10 years that are winning mm. like every other week it's not the dudes that's like 21 that got his license four years ago you don't have like yeah. soccer players that i mean you have soccer players that are football players that are like 16 17 playing on mm. major squads but mm. they're not the focal piece of the team Exactly. That's something that the Schmodown is going to have to learn. That mm. hype will – hype can kill you. It'll like, get you so far. Yo, hype can get you so 100%. But you got to mm. be able to back it up with your talent after a certain point. A hype mm. can get you to the door, but you have to stay or else we will kick you out in a heartbeat. That's what happened, yeah. And just in the whole – that happened twice in Inagitum with Parker and with Barbarian. And they're, and they're being favoured over more experienced players, yet not exactly in, in a geek, I understand. 
But yeah, I just didn't. I thought, yeah, I just can't. You're spot on, hundred percent right, Colin. Where people are going to have to learn that, and that's me coming from a sports background. You know, I don't want to force my opinion on people or anything, but just I just I, I don't notice that mindset all the time in the Shrona, which I think we'll learn over time. But uh, yeah, I just I've noticed that kind of from the from the. And how that's how I've got a lot of these. to WWE and do that? Never. Oh, and if yeah. they do. If they do, they know that belt's getting snatched off them like three weeks later at the next pay-per-view. Hmm. You know that. Like if there's like a title fight on SmackDown that actually ends up with the with the guy losing, he's coming back for it. Like, dude, yeah. like they like they know. And it's it's hard. Ask Paulo Yama how hard it is to hold the belt. Per hmm. case in point. It's it seems hard to get there, but it's even harder to stay at the top. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, Damon, Damon and Merle are automatics on my top, you know, my Mount Rushmore just because of the staying power. And that has to be respected. You know, it's that LeBron mm -hmm. James thing. He's the best player in the league. He's been doing it for 17 years, been at a level yeah. and keeps raising the level. That's what you got to do. The best are the best because they keep raising the bar year after year after year. And I am so terrified of Dan Merle right now. If I was any competitor going up against Dan Merle with the, you know, the training time that he's had as part of the exchange, just being, you know, just soaking up all the matches that they've had to go through all the training sessions over the, over the course of the year. Oh my gosh. You, are you guys ready for this? Like this spectacular is go like this spectacular five, the end of this year, no matter what matches we get out of it. Wow. Wow. Is all I got to say, but I mean, that's it, guys. The IG tournament for 2020. I mean, that's it. It's over. So, John, I got to ask you first, man. What was your favorite moment of the entire tournament? Aside from Chance winning, aside from the delay of, you know, Mike waiting it out and missing that five-pointer, what what did it for you? What what was that moment? Oh, man, that's a tough question. Uh, I think in some respects one of the bigger matches that led into this tournament might have been Kalinowski versus Zipper. Obviously, as much as Mike kind of downplayed the history of it from his perspective, obviously Zipper was coming at it with a lot. So I thought that was a great match. I also thought that uh, Kalinowski versus Damon also had a lot of hype going into it. Obviously, it was not the full-on knockout fight we thought it was going to be but it was a literal knockout from just mike taking out alex pretty easily but honestly man the big story of course is chance and i think one of the things that it sets up that i wanted to talk about a little bit is definitely you guys are right hype is not something that can carry you but momentum is huge and if you compare the momentum of these two guys obviously they won they won all their matches. That's how they had a match together. That's how we got this full-on, you know, corruption fight. But it is interesting to compare the momentum of Mike, who had to, you know, go up against Greg Alba, who was still very new to the division. He definitely had a hard match with Zipper that I was just talking about, but then had a pretty easy fight against Alex Damon, all things considered. Whereas with Chance, he went up against Paul Oyama, a guy he'd previously lost to in singles, a former singles champion, and he managed to get that win. He went up against Robert Parker, everyone's favorite to win the whole ding-dong tournament. The person who folks were saying was going to be the next great intergeekdom player. He beat him. And then he went up against Barbarian, who's one of the easy 
candidates for rookie of the year, I believe, unless he also had like his first match last season. I can't remember, but he's got to be at least in a discussion for one of the best new players. If he's not just a straight up rookie and he beat that guy too. I feel like the momentum is such a huge thing because again, it's just having that confidence kind of like what we were talking about going into the betting round. That's such a huge thing when it comes to the Schmodown. Chance not only has the confidence, but now he also has the background in this division to really big himself up, and rightfully so. That's part of why when I look at this tournament, not only am I thinking, wow, Chance really proved himself as a three-division player, not only can I see myself using that Chance with a three hashtag that you were talking about, Colin, especially because we know corruption has a habit of spelling words a little bit wrong, but it does kind of make me wonder that no matter who Chance is going to be facing, in the title match, whether it be Chandru or Kevin, I kind of feel like it's got to be Chance that wins it. Because even though Kevin and Chandru will have experience in a title match by the time that they face Chance because of their match coming up, I feel like Chance with just the momentum that he will have had leading into it, and then on top of that having the time to study, whereas Chandru or Kevin will only have one match to go out, or I guess Kevin will have two because of the... Uh, patreon championship match that he won as well but definitely just looking at that momentum i feel like it's kind of it's chance's world right now that we're all just sort of living in I, hey no arguments from us on that fact um but taking a look at where we're at before the big match coming up standings man corruption just got up to two points behind corruption both with 15 matches played I think you mean Finstock. Finstock. Corruption is yeah. now up behind right. Finstock. <laughs> yeah, excuse me. Finstock Exchange is sitting at 29 points. Corruption sitting at 27 points. An unbelievable turnaround because were we not rewind episode one, <laughs> put put that clip in of us sitting here saying, wow, it, it's looking rough for corruption. Oh boy. Oh my. Uh yeah, we're we were we were so naive. And like Chance said in the match, he said, oh, those were simpler times. Because now, the corruption is hanging in there for serious contenders. And if I'm corruption, I'm buying every bit of Ethan Irwin gear. I'm revving hard because Finstock Exchange cannot get any more points on their watch they have to be anti-fence stock exchange for the rest of the season if they want any chance because it just seems like i mean fence stock exchange the average losses it looks here is about six and a half about six is the average losses i mean fence stocks in the five they're i mean not saying they're right for another one but i don't think it's going to happen this week but bogs Corruption is now. Do you think that there's a real possibility for them to pass the exchange? Most definitely. Uh, I, I just want to come to that in a second. I just want to summarize the uh, in a Geekson tournament quickly. Um, my best moment was just probably Parker missing his missing a few questions in round one. However, he missed. I think he missed two. I was shocked. I was so shocked, and uh, and chance getting going perfect from that moment, just kicking on. Um, and then obviously winning the whole thing. That was uh, probably my best moment. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I did prefer overall the Star Wars tournament over the Inner Geekdom one um, because I was edging my seat every question, every match for that tournament. Uh, this one, it was a bit more, you know, especially the final was a bit more relaxed. It was a, 
had an exhibition vibe to it. But um, overall, yeah, the kind of rise of Chanson and uh, having, for me, cementing his place as a nomination, another, another nomination for Player of the Year, um, him and Ace, anywhere I'd put there. Um, even potentially Kalinowski, uh, Di Melanta. I mean, from the players that we've seen so far, obviously we've got a lot of more matches to come. Um, but yeah, just going on to the league standing. Um, these, how many points did you say they're on? 27. They're 27 and exchange yeah. is at 29. So 27, that's, I think, uh, Laura Kelly got three points for them. So the other 24 points are from two players. They've got two players, really, at the moment, anyway. Obviously, they're going to have more players in the singles tournament. But at least the Finstock Exchange have, obviously, they've got the four big all-timers, plus they've got Di Melanta, plus they've got the Barbarian, plus they've got a few more players to play. But these guys, two players, two and a half, well, three, okay, let's call it. got three players against, what, six? So that just shows how high level they are. It just shows how much um, they've kind of uh, leapfrogged. And it shows how good Shannon is as well, you know, making the right decisions, making the right call, um, not panicking. Obviously, she had a few losses earlier on in the season, showing literally in the match, you know, making the right tactical decisions, you know, telling Chance to slow down, you know, sometimes you speak too fast kind of thing. Um, just giving him that pet talk. So, yeah, all around, like, if I was a Finstock exchange, I'd be so terrified of these guys. Coming in the singles tournament, they're coming in teams. Uh, yeah, you guys have got to win every match to keep that lead, so... Um, yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. And the Den are not far behind them. They're in a really good position as well. They're third. Yeah, they're a few points behind. As far as I'm aware, they've got a couple of game uh, matches in hand. That's if they, they if the Pride do well. Um, yeah, sorry, they're fourth. Yeah, they're fourth, but they still have played less matches. Um, that's I'm assuming, obviously, if the Pride win a few and they have a good run in the um, singles tournament, they have a better position uh, to kind of catch corruption as well. So they're not completely out of it. I think them three are playing for the top three. Um, um, so, so Sorry, I meant Swag. Sorry, I'm getting confused with the team names. But I meant Swag, yeah. Swag have um, got a couple of games behind. So they're the ones that are kind of, um, you know, they're kind of top heavy as well with players. So, um, so yeah, the, the top. But now I was more interested in the bottom kind of the league about a month ago. Now I'm more interested at in the top, like Corruption, throw the hat in there with the Finkersock exchange. Now it's kind of all up in the air, so. Uh, yeah, really exciting going into these other tournaments and other divisions. Do you guys well, ever so see some form of like Royale, you know, <laughs> something like that, where they just like throw the teams in and Christian's like, all right, it's like a the faction, best player, best player, this team, best right, player, this right. team. But, yeah. There's like some for like the managers. And once we're able to get back into the studio, you know, you being able to see Finstock go up against Shannon. And be like, well, we'll throw down right now. Who you got? Oh, I got this. Let's go. And he like pulls up the boys. It's like, you know, like warriors come out to play. Yay. And everybody starts coming out of weird places. It's so exactly. Yeah. That's that's the kind of stuff that I get really ex excited for with the uh with the factions, is the kind of uh the real fighting that we can mm -hmm. get into once we get back yeah, to the yeah. studio. John, what were you about to say? Yeah, I was just going to say, definitely those four factions that you were talking about, Boggs, those are some of the biggest ones to keep an eye out for, especially because now that we are out of inner geekdom world, a world where Mike is especially a shining star, and whereas folks like the Finstock Exchange, Swag, and Den were not as prepared for, obviously, you know, all three of those factions kind of had folks pulling double duty a little bit with folks like the Barbarian, folks like Paulo Yama and Ben Goddard kind of coming into the division for the first time. 
So it's going to be interesting now that a lot of those those three other factions are going to have players in their home field again, playing in a division they're a little bit more comfortable with. But of course, Chance, he was a tourist essentially in Inner Geekdom as well. He came in and won the whole thing. And now he, someone that is originally a teams and singles player, is also going to be in this tournament alongside Mike, who's also a triple threat. It's going to be intense. I think the next the next match we could possibly get between Corruption and the Finstock Exchange is if Adam Collins beats Andres Gallegos and then goes up against either Dan Merle or John Roca. So that's going to be a tough one. That's going to be a little bit tough for Corruption, but stranger things have happened. You know what I mean? But uh, definitely a wonderful send-off to the Inner Geekdom division, at least for this point in the season as far as regular matches, not including the title matches we're, of course, getting. And what a success story for Corruption. John, I know you said that you think Chance's momentum will push him past whoever is put before him. Um, Boggs, I'll pose it to you differently. Who has the best chance to stop that momentum? Smets or Shandrew? Tough, tough. Uh, going on that match, though. Yeah, everyone does, including myself, love Smets as a champion, as a player, as a competitor. But I personally see what I've seen from kind of other after shows and, and other kind of um, even players uh, predicting that match. Um, they are completely back in Smets based on well, obviously ability, but also based on sometimes personality. You know, uh, sometimes they like him more. You know, they're a fan of Smets. But I, like I said a few episodes, I, I nearly always, always go back for the underdog. I, I find some angle to where I can justify the credibility and the prediction of backing underdog. And this guy is an elite player. He's, you, have, we have no idea. He doesn't go on many other after shows. Um, so I'm, I do, you know, I can just. You can see how he plays. He's, he has elite prepping and uh, studying and the kind of pulls he, questions he pulls, things like that. So I'm kind of secretly backing Chandru on this. But I, I am a fan of Smets, no disrespect there. But I am backing Chandru to upset Smets there. And when he, if he was to play Chance, I would go Chance. I would go Chance based on momentum based on, uh, you know, all the kind of experience he's going to go through. Um, and yeah, I genuinely believe Chance is one of the hottest players in the game right now. Uh, he's a threat in, like I said, all three. Uh, maybe if, if Smets was going to play a Chance, that's a different scenario. So, you know, obviously A can beat B, B can beat C, but C can beat A kind of thing. That's what, that's what the Smyrna is like, right? So I think Smets could be ace, but I think... Sorry, Ace. <laughs> I think Smets could be uh, Chance, but I think Chance could be Chance will be uh, Chandru, if that makes sense. Uh, that's the way I see it all play out. But um, but yeah, going into the uh, I don't know what your thoughts are, Colin. Going into the the uh, Inner Geekdom final, uh, the title match. Who do you think is going to win? I mean, I'm I respect the hell out of Smets. I respect his game. I respect his prep. I respect of like, the 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 just the fervor at which he tackles everything in this game. The way he came out on the stage that one time honestly scared the hell out of me. 
Yeah. Like, you know, he came out on that live event was just like, I hope John, much like our friend, all might, he said, I am here like, and I am not going anywhere. And he has it. And that's the one thing that I always say that like Smets is cementing himself amongst those, amongst those heavy hitters of the mm -hmm. Mount Rushmore's or Smowdown competitors is standing power. And he has that mentality, that personality. But there's just something about Shantru that you just look at him and you're like, yeah. that guy could beat anyone. And that's the way, like, it's the, when you hear Alex Damon talk about Star Wars, it's the way these guys talk about it. We're splitting hairs here. We're splitting hairs to what they know. And right now, I don't have any reason to believe that these two don't know the exact same stuff. So, I mean, it's 51 49. I mean, I'll probably pick Smets closer to the closer to day of right now. My heart says Shandrew, and my, and my brain says Smets. So, with that being said, I think that'll do it for our IG final review, guys. I mean, it's been great. This tournament's been so much fun. I loved it. Uh, anytime you know, you can look forward to geek stuff two times a week. I mean, what are we talking about here? We get to, you know, stretch those geek brains during all this craziness. And uh, it's been awesome. And we made a bit of a wardrobe change, but we're back to discuss the pay-per-view portion of the weekend Schmodown action. Guys, I mean, now we've seen the pay-per-view. Everyone watching, hopefully you've seen the pay-per-view. If not, come back after. It's an absolutely spectacular event. The Schmodown throwdown. First one of the year, back in quarantine, you know, John, Box, you know, the people have just, you know, been watching us talk about the IG final, but it's been a little bit. How was last night, John? I, I know, uh, I know you, you watched it, you know, late into the night, but uh, how did, how did everything hit you? Yeah. Um, intense, certainly. Uh, like I like I talked about in the live stream that we did on uh, the Ultimate Showdown Show YouTube channel, which uh, you can check out now the VOD if you haven't seen it. I was talking about how I was really looking forward to seeing some of that that live event energy, some of that you only really get from these kind of big events. And I think we got as much of that as we could in the digital space. I thought it was good. Definitely a lot of intensity, though, Colin. That is for sure. And, of course, we'll talk about that when we actually get into the matches. Now, Boggs, you got to have breakfast with the Schmodown. Um, what was that like? Uh, I know, you know, you hit the, you know, you went to sleep right after our live stream. So the spoilers, uh, you know, didn't hopefully didn't find you in your dreams, uh, you know, or hopefully you didn't watch the match in your dreams. I've actually done that before. I've gotten so hyped for a movie. I watched it in my dreams the night before that happened with The Force Awakens. But Boggs, how did oh, uh yeah, exactly. Yeah, you never know. How did, so uh, how did last night go for you? Or this morning? I actually, I actually watched the teams match first. That's I couldn't last anymore. So as soon as kind of Winston was saying, "Oh, thank you, Jesus," you know, like in his post match celebration, as soon I don't even remember who replied. I just fell asleep immediately after that. So I just saw the five pointer, and and then I fell asleep. And then um, I remember looking at my phone, thinking, "Oh, I'm getting messages." Shall I, you know? uh, and then yeah, I've just watched it when I woke up, but. Yeah, so so much uh, kind of drama on both matches. Uh, both went full five rounds plus. Um, sorry, uh, five pointer plus. I meant. Um, so yeah, I mean it was just just awesome all around. I mean, not too many um, kind of tech issues. Obviously, we've got a few that we can discuss and 
things like that. Um, but overall, it was uh, it was working money. Oh, absolutely, and just proving that over the next uh, couple of weeks that this August is probably going to be the biggest value for that ten dollars you're ever going to see for the Schmodown. So you know, if you haven't become a patron of the Schmodown. Hop on it because it's great over there. The the Discord's great. That's how you can get over there if you want to get involved in some fan leagues. You know, get over there. The patron, you know, it's where it's at. That's you know, they they it helps us out because you know we're all part of one big Schmodown family. So supporting supporting the Schmodown, it's like supporting us. So John, we're gonna go ahead and get into this first match. But I'm I was anxious about the team format. We talked about it yesterday. We talked about what it was gonna be like. We probably said the only change we were going to see was going to be uh, probably closer to like the speed round of the championship rounds that we had seen uh, so far in the tournaments. Um, how how did the team format work out for you? Is this something that you're excited to see more of for the rest of the year? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly very interesting now that in the digital format, we, the audience, are able to hear the players kind of conferring with themselves. That's something new to this weird quarantine schmodown landscape it is fun though obviously to see these players working everything out to see the knowledge on display as they're getting answers ready i had figured that this was probably going to be the format of round two just trying to think about how they were testing it out with the speed round i think it makes a lot of sense i think it's a smart call and just like I uh, then agreed with Winston's challenge about making sure that there is no possible interference of the teams being able to hear the other folks talking amongst themselves, unlike us, the audience. So I thought it worked pretty well, and it, it made for a fun match, Colin. And I was honestly anticipating um, a little more once, maybe not one-sided, but uh, I definitely was not anticipating the, you know, this was a bloodbath. I mean, this was punch for punch, I mean, over and over and over again. Uh, Boggs, who, who, who were you feeling going into this? I mean, I know we probably talked about it on the live stream, but uh, you know, who were you feeling going into this uh, deep thirteen final exam matchup? Well, it started from the start for me uh, with the uh, the intro music. I forgot how much I love Swag's intro music um, with the promos, uh, and I've just made a note to say the delinquent is hilarious. <laughs> that's not that's a note. Yeah, almost everything he said at any point I, I laughed at. Like I just thought like. It's just his humor that, you know, the kind of dark humor he's got. Um, yeah, so that was really funny. Um, I just put as well, just uh, Winston saying it just in the promo, it's time for your final exam. I just kind of like that overall uh, kind of uh, way of breaking it, you know, kind of going into the match. Um, but yeah, no, I was super impressed by both teams. You know, really solid. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, uh, Lon saying this isn't his apartment, like this is not my dog. <laughs> like, I was thinking, no one owns <laughs> dogs. <laughs> yeah, dogs yeah, exactly. are owned by no one. They exactly. are free creatures. I yeah. was done. I was I think that actually helps Ayami, you know, like just maybe eases him, eases him a little bit, maybe not so much pressure, maybe makes him smile, uh, that kind of thing. Because obviously he brought that super intensity last season, um, which you know, I've heard him say afterwards that. Uh, it's it's um it's kind of it, it took us uh, took a toll on him um so now he's obviously going in relaxed um yeah going into round one sorry we're gonna say something john yeah well i was gonna say definitely agree with you that it helped loosen paul up a little bit he was cracking up throughout the match it was a good time one thing that's very interesting to note though is that there is 
some sort of drama with Lon as far as Winston goes. Uh, obviously, Winston was talking a little bit about how he wasn't sure if Lon was going to show up. But then if you follow the schmo down on various other platforms, you saw that Winston and Lon had a little bit of a video call wherein Lon was hanging out with Video Drew, a member of an entirely different faction. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see some of that popping up. I don't know what kind of magic the delinquent is learning, but that was just something interesting I saw. Funny guy, Lon, but also very uh, knowledgeable. And I don't think Winston's the only manager that knows it, Colin. Yeah, and it seems to me like Lon's change of persona, this whole new thing, it's it's made him a better player. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It just feels like uh, he's a little freer. The the guy who we were listening to in round two uh, discussing answers with Paul still slightly – you know, stick into the character, but was in it. Like he was, wasn't, you know, didn't feel like it was, you know, I, you know, he felt like Lon, the character was a stubborn guy. And this was somebody who was uh, a willing partner. You know, you saw, actually saw him competing and that was great to see, you know, because the professor gig for a while kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I don't know, it just kind of, it kind of got old after I felt like kind of got old after a while. And this is so great. Like, I love this. Like I was jump, I was laughing. I just couldn't stop. Just like you box. I could not stop laughing. And then one thing I thought was hilarious at the start of the match, Christian goes, so <laughs> are you guys ever, uh, have you heard anything about these guys? Uh, <laughs> Deep 13, um, have you heard anything about Paul Oyama or Lon Harris? Nope. Haven't heard of them. <laughs> they're like silent, like, nope. Don't know anything about these guys. I think that's great. I think there's something to say about the old guys coming back. Not old, not old. But, you know, the older players coming back hmm. to meet some of the newer players. And that's going to be, we talked about that in the live stream, that that's something I'm excited for. So, John, let's get into round one. What's up? What's going on? Well, not to keep plugging that live stream that we did, but A, it was very good. And B, one of the things I talked about was the differences between these two teams, likening them to, you know, characters in Pokemon, whereas Deep 13, I kind of saw them as the gym leaders, very good at a specific focus, whereas Final Exam has a little bit more of that type coverage that you like to see from an actual player character. And that is something that I think we definitely saw. Obviously, like you were just saying, Colin, Alonzo and Whitney do not necessarily study the game as much as some other players might. You know, they didn't know that much about their opponents going into this match. But they were still able to get some darn answers correct. And a lot of the same stuff they were getting correct as well. Whereas if you look at final exam, one of the very interesting things is Paul was the only person who got the first question right. And he was the only person that got the last question wrong. Because you could see how Lon and Paul have sort of complementary knowledge. And you see a little bit more of that later on in the game as well. But that first round, I thought, was a really interesting testament of that difference in these two teams. Four good players, to be sure. Deep 13, two gentlemen, let's say. Let's not do any speculation on their age. Let's just say two gentlemen that have been in the game for a minute. Versus Paul, who's a student of the news school. And Lon, who is no longer a student of anything other than Video Drew's Black Magic. It was a fun first round, Colin. Yeah, I would say that uh I would say that Lon has become a student of the streets. 
<laughs> and uh, is sticking to them. And it's probably somewhere between um, sunset and uh, maybe it, maybe looking looking headed towards a pier. Maybe maybe you know somebody find him. I hope he's uh, I hope he's eaten. Somebody make sure he's eaten because I, I, I think that's important. I think somebody needs to make sure that Lon's okay because he's uh, he, he's, he's he's out there right now. On and I'm I'm here for it. But Boggs. How was it seeing the Brady Bunch up there on screen? That was a lot going on up there. I think it. I think it went well though. But was it a lot going? Was it too much at points, or did it did it work out? No, I think because you know we're all experienced like hardcore fans. So I think for us it was fine. Maybe if it was someone new, maybe you wouldn't kind of exactly know who's on whose team, that kind of thing. But no, overall I thought it, I was quite um, quite impressed, and um, I think they they kind of talked us through the kind of what's happening who's coming in especially on the um with um the first kind of team going first how it was all going to happen who's going to be in where who's going to be off screen i thought that was all quite uh well explained so uh no i, I thought it all kind of uh yeah all kind of made sense until um uh, deep 13 went um went for their round yeah and then so we'll kind of we'll let's get into a bit of the drama and too much drama just kind of ironing out some rules, right? It kind of felt like that's what it was, you know, because Winston kind of challenges uh, Christian saying that um, Deep 13 are allowed to stay in the uh, in the stream yard room with them while final exam was answering their second round questions, even though final exam had been kicked out of the room for Deep 13's questions. So it just seemed like, the only fair thing to do would be for the other team to have to do the exact same thing yeah. that the other team did. And it's just a, you know, just a blunder. I'm sure it wasn't like, I'm sure that wasn't even written in the rules because it's, you know, those rules, it's new. So it's just glad to see that, you know, it, it went smoothly. It wasn't too much uh, contention by Christian. He was just kind of like, Oh yeah, duh. That makes sense. And moved on. Uh, John. So, what happened in round two? I mean, it seemed just other than, you know, everybody just beating each other up and just points being scored endlessly. That's right. Yeah. One of the things I've enjoyed about this throwdown event specifically is now that we're getting back into the singles and teams division, there are a lot more questions that I'm knowing the answers to. So that's given me a nice little sense of superiority, I guess. And I did get a little bit of that fun, but definitely these four are all knew a lot of the answers, knew all of them, uh, just, you know, albeit with a little bit of multiple joys tossed in there. Uh, Deep 13 spun Festival Darlings, the slice that got them the upset victory over Tom and Paul in their last match, uh, only having to go to multiple choice on that last me and Earl and the Dying Girl question, which, to be fair, yeah, I feel like especially considering the other questions that they got in that round, that was decidedly tougher than anything else they got in that round. So it made sense, and they were still able to pull it off, which I thought was very impressive. And then on the flip side, you have final exam spinning Spinner's Choice. And so they went with Adam Sandler, Mr. Sandman himself, and they managed to get 12 out of 12 possible points. They didn't need to go to multiple choice, and that meant that they were able to extend that round, uh, extend that lead, rather, a little bit more during that round. It's one of those things where, like you were saying, Colin, everyone was getting questions right, left and right. It was just about 
that one little bit of an edge. They And final exam got a little bit of an edge in round one, and they got another little bit of an edge in round two. And it seems like that edge uh, definitely comes from – I just got to feel like, like Paul is a student of this game. Like, obviously, like, rose up from the fan leagues, took the title, youngest champion. I mean, it's – you watch him, and I watched him on rundown after – the uh, the rundown guys went live and Paul came on and he said, yeah, I mean, I think Adam Sandler's only been chosen once and it was a pretty skim cat. He, he said, it's like, it was pretty bare, you know, bit, top level surface level knowledge of Adam Sandler stuff. He's like, why not? And then, yeah, when they went for it, I was like, Oh wow. These are some, these are soft. Not so uh, the last one was a, not too much of a softball Adam Sandler question with uh, Steve Buscemi being the bassist. Uh, that was a bit, that was a bit harder of a question, but in terms of having listened to, you know, the IG tournament and, and the star Wars tournament, when stuff is getting really sweaty to see levels of questions like that, Paul was just on it to, to think like, Oh, yeah, that these are going to be way easier compared to the other stuff on that wheel. Because seeing all the other stuff on that wheel, I was like, oh, God, I haven't thought about any of that stuff in like six months. Got to get back on that train. Um, Boggs, what are your thoughts coming out of round two? Um, are you thinking that final exam has this locked down? Is deep, but deep 13, they still got a shot. Yeah, obviously, like John saying, just going to the multiple choice once. Apart from that, they're both getting perfect rounds. Uh, my issue was on round two was that a couple of times and it might sound a bit harsh but christian was getting a little bit flustered uh he lost track of the questions once or twice um like if it was a third or fourth question and you could just you could see it in his face that he's juggling so many things at once and that brought back a thought to me in first seeing some of the uh, initial kind of online matches is that why aren't that other i don't know the answer but why aren't there other hosts ever and maybe he can just work in the background as a producer as an engineer hosting the call maybe uh, making the decisions on challenges and maybe just have other hosts just generally, you know, reading the questions, that kind of thing. Um, instead of him doing everything, cause you can see, you know, you're dropping people in and out, trying to make the right decisions. And obviously with the whole um, kind of round two situation with, um, you know, deep 13 kind of being off the call, that kind of thing. So uh, obviously what Winston rightly challenged. Um, I think he, maybe he would have kind of not, maybe potentially not done that if he wasn't kind of juggling everything at the same time. So, um, yeah, obviously, I do completely respect what he's doing, but uh, it'd just be nice to see another host. That's just a, another reason um, for me to see another host, really. So if he could just do all that stuff kind of um, separately to reading the questions as well, um, because, yeah, yeah. The kind of more matches we have, more title matches, um, you know, more drama, more tension. I just maybe someone else should be kind of doing all of it and just helping, helping the load, basically. Yeah, hosting is uh, hosting and TDing is... Uh is not the easiest thing to yeah, do exactly. like i mean being technical director on any broadcast has its own challenges and then to be the host of it at the same time is it's a lot to ask and mm. we're all learning and that was the that first match was the biggest undertaking he's had to do this entire exactly. this entire time and you can just tell it's a it's a lot but uh, I think he prefers whatever happened uh, last night to doing the speed rounds over uh, in a championship round over that because mm -hmm. that that cannot be fun. I know that's not easy. I know that's hard. It's uh, like the other options. The only other things you can think of, they just don't even make sense. What do you do in this situation? Do you record them? 
Do you pre-record them? Do you somehow get it down to 60 seconds? It's it's mm-hmm. it's impossible, right? Like we, we, we talked about the different options and you're, you're splitting hairs and to a point where we're playing movie trivia on the internet. And, you know, that's kind of, I eventually, once I think about a problem with this for more than about five minutes, kind of got to think, well, let's, uh, let's maybe take a step back, yeah. <laughs> but let's take a step back into round three and figure out how this match ends. John, take us home. Certainly Colin and with great gusto, uh, Whitney wound up missing his two pointer to start off round three, which is not what you want. Uh, I was not in either Whitney's head nor home when he got asked this question. I don't know how he heard Ray Liotta instead of Ray Fines, but you know, at the end of the day, that's that's that human error that we've been talking about when it comes to these digital matches. So I understand how sometimes that's the way it goes. He was not able to get that two pointer, but then Alonzo got his three three pointer. Excuse me, with Winona Ryder starring in Girl Interrupted. It bounced back over to final exam. Lon was able to get the two-pointer with the Superman the movie director, which then bounced it back to deep 13, getting what I thought was a pretty difficult five-pointer. I know I've been talking about how I was definitely able to get more questions right in this match than some of the other matches we've been seeing this season. I definitely would not have gotten that one, and I think it's a testament to, like we've been saying, these are two gentlemen. They watch films, you understand? They really like movies like that. I couldn't even write down the name of the spy movie. It was something about a falcon and a squid, maybe. Was it the squid and the whale? No, that was something else. Uh, But Deep 13, they were able to bounce it back to final exam, getting their five-pointer. And that was huge because once they bounced it back, Paul Oyama missed his three-pointer with Dolph Lundgren starring in Universal Soldier. Much like the delinquent Lon Harris, it also broke my heart that he didn't know that. What a... What a not a great movie, certainly, but certainly a movie starring Jean Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. But then it came to the five pointer for final exam, really down to the wire, and they needed a JTE to really hammer home which Apatow movie, which and and again, I don't know how much this got discussed, but yeah, two movies in the same cinematic universe or what have you, where it's straight up the characters from one movie being in a second movie between Knocked Up and This Is 40, but they took their time with it. They really hammered it out, and they managed to get that right answer just in the nick of time, Colin. That was honestly one of the best five-pointer interactions. Uh, You know, that's the stuff that I kind of like to see. And I'll, you know, I like sports balls. Um this has been kind of cool to to watch the NBA and some of these other sports without fans because you can hear what they're saying. Some broadcasts don't want you to hear what they're saying. May, I, probably the NBA broadcast, but this is kind of us getting a little backdoor, you know, a little peek behind the curtain of what it's like for these teams to operate that we don't usually get, you know, because usually we get, you know, you know, the cover of the hand, yeah. over, you know, they're hiding the microphone, you know, you can't hear anything. And I think that's, you know, it's cool for us, the fans, and I can understand why it's important to not be there in round two for, you know, for the other teams to not be able to hear. But round three, you know, it's a little it, – I think that's cool that we can hear that, at least for that one question. I think that's interesting. Uh, it's it's cool for us, the fans. Um, 
I thought this was a, a this match blew my, away my expectations. I, I'm sure if you go back and listen to the live pay per view, I was kind of soft on this match. I thought Final Exam was going to handle their. I knew Final Exam was going to handle their business. I just thought it was you know they were going to present a uh, a harder level of test, if you will, than than they did. This was more of a a, a spelling bee where one person got a question, you know, just slightly wrong. This wasn't quite, you know, too intense. But Boggs, what were your thoughts about this first uh, first half of the throwdown? Yeah, just um, to summarize round three there, I was gutted with uh, Whitney's two-point miss, personally, because that's my favorite Wes Anderson movie, and I knew immediately which one it was. Um, and, yeah, he said he misheard. So I think this is the difference here where that um, on – the final exams of three-pointer they've talked it through and obviously they've not come to a decision yet so they've asked for a repeat like why did Whitney not ask for a repeat like we've seen him do this in other matches like the, he just says oh well I've missed a question like no like this is the difference of being you know of being elite you know going on to potential title shots you know winning things and as opposed to just being like oh you know I missed a question oh well let's just get on with it so yeah I mean I would like to see him ask for a repeat that if you you know, if he would have asked for a repeat, maybe he would have heard the right question if he misheard. Uh, so, you know, I was a bit confused with that, but I wasn't totally surprised because I've seen this kind of, um, you know, this kind of behavior before with these guys. Um, but that was unfortunate, but excellent communication with uh, with Ayama and Harris. Uh, talked it out. You know, it was either one of the two options that talked it out. Um, I, I like uh, Ayama's uh, final answer, you know, like replying to Christian. So just confirming, no, we've had a discussion. No, this is the final answer. Makes it clear as possible and just to help out Christian. So, um, so yeah, it, there's no kind of uh, miscommunication there. But no, no, um, excellent round three and um, kind of the right and deserved winners, I thought. What a perfect way we can honor the late, great Regis Philbin with giving final answers i think that's great if we could do that i i think that that was warm in my heart last night because i looked over over at uh, my girlfriend she's like oh look who wants to be a millionaire here i was like oh this, this is nice you know warms the heart guys we made it the main event the moment that we've been waiting for per Kind of since we started the show, this match has been in the works since, like, you know, it's been in the back of our minds. The return to singles, the return to the, the main league of this whole thing that we watch, you know, everything else. We love Star Wars. We love Inner Geekdom. But this is everything right now. The singles is back. Roca versus Irwin. Guys, I, I, got, I, I have so many words. I don't want to use them all now. Uh, John, we talked before the live stream. You know, we talked during the live stream. We talked during the match. This was just fun, right? Two of the undisputed greats. I could leave it there and just put that out there because that is really what you see in this match. It's two of the greatest players who are in this game currently proving why they are such. It's funny, I think, that on the Shimodan Clips channel, they either the day of that live stream or the day before put up a clip of the speed, uh, sudden death round between Sam Levine and Clark Wolf, where it's that same level of intensity of those two just grinding and out looking for any sort of lead that they can get over the other person. And again, 
two of the better players that have ever played this game in Sam and Clark. So this was really an intense round, an intense game overall that I think just showed how much John Roca and Ethan Irwin deserve to be regarded as great, certainly deserved this number one contender's shot. It was a great match, Colin. And, you know, this uh, it's a hard pill to swallow for a show on uh, this network. Uh, but we're going to do our best to get through it. And uh, because honestly, this is one of my, probably this is one of my favorite matches I've ever seen either of these guys play. They, they both handled their business. Um, my hat's off to Ethan Irwin, first of all, um, just because to take the licks in the groups over you know animation and all that stuff and we even talked about it in the live show and stuff and for that third round you know we'll get into the details stuff but for that third round to be what he got i'm i'm just you know the the respect level has to you know you can never say anything about it again right just for getting through that third round and, and persevering like he did through that that was the thing that stuck out to me uh boggs i know uh I know you uh, you had a different pick than the uh, than the ultimate uh, outcome. I think we all did. But uh, how were you feeling once you uh, finally got to uh, this part of the match, this part of the event? Yeah, so obviously the promos got me hyped. Any kind of uh, no chronic promo with Roka in. I mean, this look how much highlights he has and and um, kind of hype. Uh, kind of occasions and him got with the belts on his shoulders slapping the butt. I just I love all that, you know, like because as opposed to like other champs with like you know who are respectful, shake people's hands, give a nice interview, but he's going crazy, you know, like so super hyped up and excited. I mean, that's what I tune in for personally. Uh, so I absolutely love that. So yeah, just um, yeah, with with the whole uh, I, I completely forgot about the managers as well. So we were talking about uh, the matches going in. And, you know, I was talking about kind of uh, Roka's career against Owen's career, you know, what the strengths and weaknesses are. I completely forgot Gucci and, and you know, Levina there. And, you know, when they obviously come in taking shots at each other, uh, I, I appreciated that as well because obviously their involvement, um, especially Sam, I think he was uh, saying the right things to um, Irwin at the right time, I think, and taking little shots at Roka here and there, uh, which I'll come to in a second. I thought I did actually see a change in the match, um, which I'll come to at the time, but. Uh, yeah, that's so it was all this going on. Um, and obviously, Roka, you can see kind of as soon as he's come in, he's ultra passionate, already emotional. You can see how much it means to him. So, uh, yeah, I was on the edge of my seat. It was um, it was awesome. The show was in full effect. Mm. Um, yeah, starting for the top. Ooh, Nerd Chronic, boy, you had Nerd Chronic literally made me bruise my chest because I got <laughs> hyped. Like, I did the whole like i was pounding the chest hard like we were out there you know out there to match and it was uh i mean that it was it was so good man i just couldn't get over like and like you said there's just endless amounts of, of shots of broker just looking out like on stage in studio live events like that's with uh, me in the crowd yeah yes. just all sorts on mics you know like just, i love it and then Irwin, even even same thing, man. He's got the shots too. Anybody with shots with the belt, it's tough. Mm. You can anyone <laughs> wearing the belt, it's tough, man. And you look good doing it. Mm. And you also just gotta throw out 
the new graphics we got going on too. the mm -hmm. round one round two round three stuff looking great mm -hmm. throwing in them inserts you know also that's other stuff you know involved with the production side of stuff that you know it's just gotten better and better and i know all the you know we're we're working through all this stuff is one thing constantly during all this uh is that we gotta uh remember we're all we're all working through stuff for the first time too so to get into i mean the actual match because this the first round was I, it kind of reminded me of uh, Chance and Robert Parker, uh, Boggs. Uh, and, but, John, if you want to break down round one, we'll throw it to Boggs for round two. Sorry. Mm -hmm. no. John, well, I mean, break it down for me. That that, that second question from Ethan, right? I mean, that kind of, uh, kind of, you know, kind of knocked everybody off for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know. I will say I, I do sort of agree with Sam that at a certain point, maybe not all 80s comedies, but certainly all 80s comedies about, you know, young teenage or college age boys getting up to romps, they do all kind of blend together. Uh, but let's make sure we actually say what that was about. That was about Roka taking the first lead in round one with the Revenge of the Nerds question where he went up by a point. And like we've said a lot of times, you know, it's always interesting to try and tell when it's players of this caliber, oh, is that one question miss going to be the only question that gets missed? Is that the moment that Roka wins the match? That did not wind up being the case because then later on, Ethan was able to tie it back up with the question about who starred in 1932's The Mummy, taking it all the way back. We're not talking about Tom Cruise. We're not talking about Brendan Fraser. We're talking about a third person whose name I also did not write down, and I'm sorry about Pretty it. Sure it's but we did get a very good first round, each of them only missing one question each. So tied up seven to seven going into round two, Colin. Uh, it was Boris Karloff. Uh, oh, yeah. Boris. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. That. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... I'm I'm sitting there in round one, right? And there's this moment where I'm sitting there like I've seen this before, and that's why I mentioned it. It really made me feel like Chance and Robert Parker up until Boris Karloff. I was like, oh, this is a real. This match is not going to go. Yeah. What what did Luke say? This is not going to go the way you think. What and you it, think? Yeah. <laughs> no, and uh, it was right. Um, Boggs, man, round two was. Uh, Round two was a round, and questions yeah. were asked and words were said. Please do your best to break down what occurred in that span of time. Yeah, so I'll go through my issues with it, and I'd love to hear your guys, but I'm not going to spend too long on it. First of all, I, I was a little bit shocked that um, Roka let and Gucci let Owen go first because I've seen interviews this week where he says he feels his strongest at going first. He wants to go first. So I thought, oh, let. I, I was thinking they, they were going to say, okay, let's put him on the back foot, make him wait, make him sweat kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, they've, they've decided to put him first. So I thought, okay. And then obviously we've come to the, the, um, the Detroit. Um, obviously he's fun. Uh, Catherine, Catherine Bigelow. Uh, yeah, I think he's fun. Uh, Spinner's choice, right? And he's picked Catherine Bigelow. Who's, and the first question is, um what decade was the uh detroit the movie detroit uh set in um i actually watched that on a plane so i actually knew that question so um 
Yeah. And yeah, obviously he said 60s. Uh, and then Mark has kind of finished off uh, or probed and said, oh, I presume you, you're referring to 1960s and not 1860s. And then obviously Roker's had issue with that and said, you know, um, you finished off the question for him there. You, know, you finish off the answer for him there. And then Christian's more or less asked, oh, do you want to, do you want to challenge? And then obviously Gucci's command and they've said, yeah, we'll challenge that. Um, so, and then, well, the outcome was that Roker's got, he's kept his challenge, but they've got to ask, Erwin's um, had to kind of ask another question again because he didn't give the full answer in terms of 1960 and not the abbreviation. So my view on it was, um, I think it goes back to what we said a few weeks ago. I think that was just any, technically, technically, I understand he's not giving you the full answer, but we all know he knows the answer. We all know he's on about 1960s. Yes, obviously there's been kind of uh, revolts uh, previously, but the answer is 1960s. He said 60s. I personally think it's fine. Um, I think it was going like what we said a few weeks ago. It's going back to where uh, in this digital world here, where we can, uh, or players can kind of um, really kind of pick hairs, split hairs, and kind of rinse um, kind of the challenges, um, which was uh, it was upheld. So I completely understand he's got a point. But for me, I would have just left it and, and let him carry on because um, first I thought it was it was actually banter on Roker's part like he was just kind of playing or he was like asking uh, kind of the Christian and Mark like always oh, that worth challenging kind of thing and due to kind of the reaction that's when he challenged it um so I I thought I, I didn't think it was worth challenging to be honest but in the end he got another question which I thought was actually an easier question um which obviously he, he got a two-pointer on anyway um yeah so obviously he's gone perfect and Roker's gone perfect for the rest of round two but that was obviously the main um the main talking point of round two all right, well, let's get into the tea. Um, so I feel like this is just the moment in Schmodown history that just sets a precedent. If you're talking about a historical time, we're just going to need the full four digits. Hmm. That's just what it is. I think that that going forward, we're just going to smooth out. If you're playing this game, right? If you're playing this game and you want to win, you should leave without you you should leave the judges with as little reason to doubt your answer as possible and when it comes to years there's a couple other digits that you can put down and he was saying them he didn't even write them down which i can understand is different if he was writing it down in in round one he probably would have written down the 1960s just because that you know that just seems a little more natural to somebody to write down the 1960s but to say the 60s is a little more, you know, freer. So I, I totally understand. Uh, I totally understand both sides of it. Hmm. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of how it was kind of pushed at both ways. It felt like both uh, Christian and Mark might have overstepped their uh, purpose on the broadcast a little bit. Like, like Christian has said multiple times, it is the player's responsibility to like bring up a challenge. And mm. Christian said to Roka, are you challenging? That's Christian yeah, enacting thought, the challenge to him. Roka didn't say, I don't remember Roka really saying, oh, I should challenge it. Maybe I should challenge it. He, like you said, Boggs, it did mm. kind of sound like, you know, just Roka kind of rambling to himself in between, you know, just kind of getting yeah. something off his chest. And then, Move on to the next thing. It kind of felt like the Kalinowski um, 
chance Psylocke incident where Kalinowski was kind of all right, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's a horrible, whatever. On to the next one. And mm. but he gave him some grief for it in the midst of it. And maybe John was in the midst of giving him some grief, but then Christian coming in with, well, do you want a challenge? And going back and watching it, he was pretty quick to go down and hit add Bobby Gucci to the call. And Bobby Gucci came in pretty quickly with his twirling floating ball and was kind of like, yeah, we're going to do this. Like it was just mm-hmm. kind of ready. Didn't really have much discussion about it with his player mm-hmm. either. Just kind of happened. It was weird. It was a really yeah. weird, it was an enigma. It was truly, I ha- we haven't really seen anything like that mm-hmm. before. This is kind of, this is unique. This is, uh, but I think it's going to be something that's looked at and scrutinized and talked about all week. And just like we're doing right now, <laughs> because it's, it dictated the entire match. It, it was the turning point of the match. Sam Levine drops in later and says, that's going to be in his head for the rest of the match. And, yeah. and now just feel happy about that. And he it seemed like, he was right, even though John went on a trailblaze. You could tell that something was just, you know, that was still there. John, where are you at with your with your thoughts on this whole drama? Yeah, I mean, I think you guys kind of covered a lot of it. Uh, I will say, though, to the defense sort of of Christian, I think it makes sense that he was a little bit more gung-ho about it because we've seen in situations past where he kind of leaves it a little bit to the side. We saw it uh, with Winston, for example, in the Star Wars Championship match, where Christian was kind of blazing through, getting through the rules, and Winston didn't really have the time to jump on a uh, challenge. So I think Christian was kind of trying to avoid that a little bit. Again, it just gets into the technical realities of trying to run this kind of show, where it's like you kind of have to have the managers ready to drop in at a moment's notice to take advantage of those challenges. So I completely sympathize with uh, Christian in that regard. Um, Kind of agreeing with both of what you guys are saying. I think that the challenge was totally fair. I think it completely makes sense why Roka decided to pursue that. I think it's a fair thing. You know, it's one of those issues where we're just seeing in the league now more and more with folks with this high caliber of knowledge. I think it's completely reasonable to jump on any weakness you can potentially see in an opponent. Ultimately, I do feel like the issue with that question as it was comes down to the onus of mark saying i assume you mean that it's you know you know what happens when you assume something you make an ass of mark and his bird calls um so i think it's uh, precisely uh hey um but yeah i also then agree with the decision you know i think because it seemed to me that the onus was predominantly on mark more so than ethan it makes sense that then the next course of action is to read a new question. Certainly, I understand why John is upset about it. I think it completely makes sense because it was something that was out of his control as far as being a player. But I, I do stand by the decision. It's also worth pointing out uh, that Dan Merle uh, talked about how there was also, he believed, going to be a little bit of drama with uh, a question in this game. And I wanted to quickly shout out our producers uh, who brought up that the controversy that it's possible Dan was referring to was in a question in the Catherine Bigelow round for Ethan, his round two, where Jeremy Renner's rank in the Hurt Locker is credited as both Staff Sergeant and Sergeant First Class, but Ethan only answered Sergeant. 
So that's another instance where it gets kind of into the same murky waters as what we've been talking about with the 60s as far as, oh, is Sargent descriptive enough? That's I the less murky can't water, say. though, to me. That's, to me as well, yeah. That, that, honest, that's yeah. way less murky. Mm. That's way yeah. more clear that he that he messed up. That's a wrong answer. Yeah, to me, that's a wrong that's answer. That's a wrong they answer. Haven't, From a kid they haven't challenged parents please. and grandparents were in the military, that's a wrong answer because there is a difference between a sergeant, a sergeant, a staff sergeant, mm. and a it sergeant. Looks like Paulie, right? It's just not. There are different levels of, I mean, yeah, ask yeah, those sergeant. dudes if there's a difference between those three things. Ask mm. those, ask people in those three different ranks if there's a difference between them, and they will say yes. So for this purpose, I am heavily, I am on board with this being a wrong answer that mm. we need some form of like when the NFL puts out a thing saying that, yeah, we messed up the, the refs messed up the play yesterday. And that was actually a, a touchdown. And we apologize. Like that was a mess up. We apologize to the team that ended up losing because of that. That's kind of the situation that we have here because that is a wrong answer. And then if it's not because of what was on the answer sheet, that also needs to be addressed. Like that needs to be said, like is it was it given to him because Sergeant was the only thing on the answer sheets? Because then if that's the case, then it was just a bad question with the bad with, with a bad answer. Hmm. Because it it because that wasn't I mean, if you went by with the first thing you saw on IMDB and it just said sergeant first class and didn't put the first class, it just put the sergeant, then that's yeah. That's a different conversation of just not understanding, mili you know, military hierarchy, which I can't blame somebody for not, you know, leveling through Call of Duty 20,000 times as a child either. And seeing uh, all the how about this? Stuff. There's a difference between X-Men and X-Men first class. That's there we go. I made it about movies. Thank you. Thank you. You figured it out. Yeah. And so I'm 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 with Dan. I think that's huge. And I think uh, I, I'm actually, you know, uh, Roka deserves the, the weekend to to do whatever he, and he he's watching umbrella Academy, which is what I'm going to be doing after uh, we finish recording here. Um, but I think once he hears the, that it was a thing about the military that might even put a little more salt on the wound that I, it's going to make him mad that he didn't catch it in the, in the first place as well. Um, man, it's, it's just hard in these. It's hard in the schmodown, right? It's just really hard when you watch, when you watch the Star Wars matches and you watch guys like Ben Bateman and the, and the rundown guys said this last night and put it greatly that Ben Bateman will scrap for a point. Ben Bateman will take the shirt off his back and do whatever it takes to get a point. If he has to, however long the challenge takes, he will fight it out. And that's kind of the mentality that it seems that John was going for that. It's kind of bled over to him. It's like, Look, if there is any shadow of a doubt here, I got to fight for it. And it just seems sometimes that that uh, it didn't fall his way. You know, that uh, you're either going to be in two school of thoughts, I think, on the whole to get to, to backtrack a second to the rope to the uh, to the to the decades dilemma. We'll call it the decade dilemma. Uh, so you either think that Ethan got the question wrong because he said the 60s. And you think that Roca should have gotten to like give his version of the answer, or Roca should have just gotten an entirely new question that e that Ethan got. That question that Ethan got should have been given to Roca instead, because you think Ethan got it wrong, or 
Ethan was cool to get the question because it was just a bad, it was one of those things where the Schmodown's done dozens of times before where if something just goes wrong, they just give somebody a new question and that's what we do. So I, I totally hear the people who think that Ethan got it wrong. Like that's, that's the specificity of it. I hear the argument. You be as specific as possible on the other side. That was just a shit show. Like, and just chalk it up to the production and everything and just the benefit of the doubt to the production team and just giving him the new question. I'm cool with it at the end of the day. All right, guys. So we're getting into round three. All right. So the drama, put it on the island. It's gone. You send it off. Uh, let's get back into the game because, I mean, it didn't stop. The game, the game had, the game must go on much like this show. John, round three, break it down, dude. Like who, who what's up? Yeah, this was once again just an instance of the two of them staying right at each other's throats all the way throughout. Obviously, they both only missed one question in round one. They both missed zero questions in round two, drama notwithstanding. So it starts on Ethan just because he is the lower-ranked player of the two. He got an animation question. Everybody, he did it. He got it. We're all very proud of him. Lilo and Stitch, also one of my favorites, so I love seeing that. So it bounced right back to Roka, and he got James McAvoy as the character Mr. Crumb or what have you in Split. So it bounced right back to Irwin, and he got his three-pointer in dance movies. I mean, granted, it was a classic, you know, Hollywood stars, so it, you know, it wound up being a little bit easier than what you might imagine when you hear dance movies as the category, but Ethan got it, so it bounced right back to Roka, and he got his three-pointer with Desperado. And then we get to five-pointer. Ethan Irwin gets a tough animation. I mean, I know we always give Ethan a little bit of guff for not knowing animation questions, but like I didn't know this one. This was a for sure tough animated question. It's, you know, not like a big deal, I don't think, that Ethan couldn't pull that one. That's a tough one to pull. But then what makes it interesting is that it bounces back to Roka, who has the opportunity to win the match right then and there. And he also gets a very tough question as well with the quote of the acronym in Men in Black. I love that movie. I would not have been able to pull it. I probably would have just guessed like fairy lives don't matter today, right? Because that kind of seems like it could fit in that movie as well. But ultimately, both Ethan and Roka missed their five pointers, which meant that coming out of round three, we still had a tied game, Colin. Well, I'm going to dub Ethan Irwin's round three, the Miss Movies trilogy of, <laughs> of, of categories. Because she, if those were her three categories, been like, I got this in the bag. You see her be like, oh, yes. If, they, if for some reason you've learned all three categories, she's like, oh, everything's going to go fine here. Right? If those were the categories that you told me that Ethan was going to get, I probably would have told you that this match would end differently than it does because uh, we've heard nothing, but Ethan can't hit this. Ethan can't hit animation. Ethan doesn't know animation. Yada, yada, yada. That last question was hard. I'm looking at right. That last question was hard. Like my girlfriend, and I, we love Emperor's New Groove. It's one of her favorite movies. That one, we couldn't nail it down. And it's really hard sometimes when we get into the, uh, you know, you know, millennials think about the early 2000s Disney movies. They all kind of run together, right? They all kind of, it's like, oh, it's like, uh, 
Atlantis, it's Treasure Planet, it's all you know, it's those kind of movies, and they're all kind of running together. Princess and the Frog, these kind yeah, of all that, all that kind of stuff. You know, that that early, it's all kind of running together in your head. Meet the Robinsons as well. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorite ones, and uh, it, it what is what Ethan gets because that's the one that got him in trouble last time, and I guess, um, which yes, good guess, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, still a good guess because that's a, that's a deep cut Disney movie with a lot of you know a lot of great quotes. But what a tough round three! I mean, I mean, come on, yeah. I mean, the round uh, I feel like uh, the the three pointer for Ethan was a three pointer to anyone under a certain age, and uh, to Ethan was like, oh, yeah, easy. The next. <laughs> there's only one answer to go up get next to Fred Astaire. So, uh, so I mean, I was kind of, I wouldn't say I was let down by round three, but it was, t- it was, it was tough. When you think all these, we haven't, you know, we haven't seen overtime in a while. But Boggs, we got overtime. Yeah, if I can just summarize round three. So where I saw oh, yeah. the change, where I saw the change is when um, just before they've picked the numbers, Sam. Uh, has taken a shot at Roker and said, oh, he's got a history of missing his five-pointers. And from that moment onwards, I don't know if he was doing it before, but I did notice that Roker was slouching a little bit when he's answering his questions. He was just, like, slouching. And I noticed um, Irwin, he was sitting up with his arm on his sofa, like, across like this, just, like, relaxing as if he's just talking with friends or if it's, like, a family. He's he's in his so- on his sofa at home just relaxing, answering a five-pointer and the other questions as well. Where Roker slouched down, and, and I just thought, oh, like I did, I wasn't confident for for Roker going into round three, just by the body language, and um, obviously, yeah, like super hard question for Irwin. Yeah, I don't think that is a slight um, on him's kind of lack of knowledge on animations, let's say, because uh, I think he was studying, because otherwise, I don't think he would have maybe last year he would maybe have not got that Lilo and Stitch question, um, and then obviously Roker's missed that five point, and so that's why you know I was thinking about all the kind of could have would have should have happened in round two where at the end of the day it was in your hands to win that match obviously a massive five pointer which you've missed which is unfortunate but and then going into the into the overtime questions uh i did i was not confident just because i just purely on the body language alone which i just saw and i just thought erwin's just general kind of uh random kind of extensive knowledge he's got I just thought he has a better chance in overtime. So I wasn't massively confident at that point. And I kind of saw indications of that in the third round. So I kind of knew what was coming, to be honest. Yeah, you could we talked about this in the uh in the in the pregame. Momentum. Hmm. Momentum. And momentum was secured and it was a slow build. It was a slow build that started, I believe, with uh with Roka not getting a perfect round one. I thought I think that was going to be huge in terms of momentum. He had the opportunity there and did not, you know, capitalize on that first miss from Irwin. And that slowly builds into what happened in round two. Please rewind to hear our thoughts on what happened in round two. And then building to overtime. It just kind of, you know, it's over. It was little tiny L's that eventually stacked up into mm. what eventually yeah. happened it, little tiny ones and that that it's like uh it's like little chinks you know little, 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 little chinks in the armor you know just keep get little jabs you get them in little shots here and there and eventually they compound into 
what you Take saw, it, which yeah. was the physical. You saw it physically. We just kind of had it. You you feel it that exactly what you said, Boggs. It was in his hands. He had it. That was that's what you that's what you want as a player. You want to be in control, and he was in control. Had the chance, and I mean that was just so hard questions. Both guys will say, it, "Man, those those were hard five pointers." Anyone will say those are tough five pointers. And overtime, it just is what it is. I mean, uh, we can we can Monday morning quarterback the writing utensil situation or whatever could have been different, but uh, just didn't get it in time. Just didn't get Sidney Pollock in time. And when you just uh, that's just one of those things. It's uh, it's unfortunate. It's just how the game goes. And we, we've seen it before, and we're going to see it again, that uh, sometimes you just don't have enough time to write it down, John. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a discussion that we've had before. Uh, as Dan brought up, the, the David O. Russell of it all, where it's just that question of, okay, on the one hand, Roka very clearly knew the answer, and there's no way that he could have gleamed it from Ethan. So in that regard, you could argue he should have gotten the points. On the other hand, you could argue from a rule standpoint, they have the whiteboards for a reason, or in Roka's case, the notebook. Part of the game is writing down the answer as well as saying it. And you can argue that because he just wasn't able to get that question in enough time to write it, that he therefore shouldn't have gotten the points. It's one of those things where there's a strong argument either way. It's tough, especially because when you look at a question like that, where that's the thing that decided the game, it is still a testament to the fact that these were two really good players having a really good game. Like, it did not come down to a question of whether Ethan just knew more than John. It's just a question of being able to have that pull in enough time, even though he still knew it. So it was... It was a brutal, brutal question to end the match on, both as far as, I, I think, a, a level of depth and then also just the circumstances around getting to it. It was a tough one, man. It was a tough one. You know, obviously, we're Outlaw Nation show, so obviously it's going to be a little bit tougher for us as folks who are ultimately, at the end of the day, going to be more allied with John Roca on that. But I mean, you know, I, I know Roko was talking about Brandon and Shannon being in the chat. I really, truly, if you watch that match, yes, Roka lost. Yes, Ethan won. You cannot argue that both of these guys were playing at an insanely good level, Colin. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, take your jabs on, you know, choice of challenging or things like that don't can't question the character you can question you know you can question a throw that a guy makes you can't question his heart or his love of the game that's the only thing you can't do you know you can sit there and, and you can you can be you know you can get into the details of the game but you don't ever sit there and try to you know judge someone on their you know on their overall feelings about it and i i won't sit I won't sit there in those chats and stand for any of that stuff. So you guys got any of that stuff? I'll squash it like a bug. But I mean, I overall this match, it was just it kind of had everything we wanted, right? It was a great return to singles. It was a great return to like just the main division of the Schmodown, right? I mean, everything kind of has been uh 
new new faces to discovering new stars and this is like we said these are the these are the old this is the old guard and they came back and uh they did not disappoint this was a spectacle this truly was an amazing pay-per-view and um i hate to say it but i know who's actually really happy about the results of this and that's uh corruption and swag corruption and swag huge winners last night if we want to transition over to the uh, to this like what this means going forward, guys, because this is uh, this is huge. Like not ha- on, you know not securing the corruption like event you know for the final where they secured those points for the tournament final. Finstock they I mean Finstock Exchange was really hoping to have Roka versus Merle so they could lock down that championship title points no matter what, and now. I mean, this is this is room for team. This is room for a lot of movement, Boggs. Um, did you see this as uh, might be the end of the exchanges reign at the top? I mean, we'll see. There's a lot of matches, obviously, to play. A lot of matches to come. Um, who knows? Who knows? Uh, but just going back to that overtime one, I just wanted to say uh, that. Yeah, I think maybe we do need a clearer definition on what can and can't be accepted. At the end of the day, he didn't have the full question written down. Um, but I did. I, I could kind of make out Sydney Pollock on it. Like, S-Y-N, and then I can kind of make out Pollock on it. Like, and he's given the right answer. Can, like, I, I don't know. I would have personally accepted it, but, you know. Yeah, that's I'm definitely the argument that I've it. always gone back to, is that if they say it first, and yeah. the other guy hasn't said it, and yeah. you say it, Mm. I mean, we're talking overtime for the right, number one contender. Right, like, this is right. all on the line. Should it come down to if someone's written his full name down on, on a whiteboard? Do you know what I mean? And that was the part that kind of got to me where I was where I was hearing. Did uh, we hear that music? Yeah, sorry, it's uh, ice cream. <laughs> so that's the one thing that's kind of gotten me over time is, uh, look, there, that that's if he's scribbling it down in that tiny little corner, right. And then in 15 seconds and then shoves up to think that obviously not put himself in the best position to win uh, box. Give me a thumbs up when the ice cream truck is gone. We're good. Okay, cool. All right. And you're back. So, I mean, I, I, I hear you there. It's there's gotta be an ironing out of the rules. There's gotta be like overtime has to, we have to look at it and say, we understand when we're in the studio, why like you got to write it down. Because mm. this isn't the buzz around, right? So it's kind of, I guess their argument is if you can write it down in the studio and over time, why can't you write it down at home? And then, because if you can't, how are you going to change the rules to fit in the studio? Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, unless both guys have on like noise canceling headphones and they're just sitting there like yelling into microphones into the void. Um, but incredibly harsh either way, I think. But yeah, yeah, like you said, I mean, for swag and, and corruption there must be you know kind of super super happy with that win and it gets obviously uh, the usual suspects off the bottom as well um which was they've got their own little rivalry at the bottom of the league playing the other guys playing the kind of um who's going to finish bottom kind of thing um so yeah obviously we've got tournaments coming up so it's definitely a, a an interesting change um but yeah i just want to say about roca just you know that him even uh, addressing like you're saying shannon brennan meyer simon levine um and you know getting emotional and like I, I i love that kind of stuff honestly like who else in this game are you going to get that kind of reaction from that's why i'll always appreciate him 
always keeps me uh, hooked in. Um, and yeah, I just uh, win, lose or draw, I'm still backing the guy. So uh, yeah, no, no slight on him. You haven't let out no nation down at all in any way, John. In fact, you've done us proud. So uh, yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate the shout outs for the, for the outlaw nation. Oh, and I said the same thing. I had to put it out there. That was he didn't, he didn't let anybody down, man. That was that was one of the toughest games I've ever seen anybody slug through. That was, and John, we we I mean we love you, man. Like you, constant inspiration for everyone that you, you know is in this outlaw nation. Like you, I mean, we're here because of you, and I mean we'll follow you no matter what. So leading into you know some stuff that I was seeing flown around last night was uh roca might make a pretty darn good manager yeah. that was something i saw last night floating around chats that looked pretty darn good but that you know you got a team smash to play there's a whole year to go but i think that in itself uh, opens up you know, a world of storylines uh, for uh, a certain Harloff to play with. Um, John, what do you see for the future of the outlaw in the Schmodown? Oh, well, we'll get to my thoughts about the outlaw in a hot second. But first, I want to make sure that we cut back to our other co-host, Mina. Make sure that we also get her thoughts. We got her thoughts earlier on final exam versus deep 13. But I also want to hear her thoughts on John Roca versus Ethan Irwin. Mina, take it away. And then I'll give five seconds of editing time to edit around that. Excellent. Thank you so much, Mina. Glad we were able to get uh, your thoughts on the match despite not being able to get you here uh, recording with us right now. Uh, as far as my thoughts on on what this is looking like for Outlaw Nation, I think that is probably looking a little bit too far ahead into the future. Obviously, Roka knows that he's got a couple things he's got to contend with right now before he can really think that much about next season. You know, he's got a title match against Corruption coming up soon, especially since that is the team right now that is giving the Finstock Exchange the most drama. I think he's going to be really more hyper-focused on that than anything else, especially because he does still have a lot of allegiance to the Finstock Exchange. Like, he was talking about how he was, you know, liking having Tom in his corner, about being able to have folks like Dan, Ben, Craig, uh, the Barbarian, backing him up going into this match. So I, I think that right now he's focused enough on the help that he's been getting from the Finstock Exchange that he's not thinking about dipping to form his own team. That said, you know, obviously... When season eight rolls around, if he is still feeling like he he doesn't know how much uh, his heart can take it uh, with with matches like this, uh, I think it could definitely be interesting. Obviously, there were supposed to be ten factions, I believe, uh, when the faction system first came into place last year. So, if you're looking for new managers, you could definitely do a lot worse than John the Outlaw Roca. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as the faction standings themselves go, uh, like you were saying, Boggs, there is still that kind of battle for the last place going. Uh, usual suspects now not in last place, that being the Mercs, but uh, the suspects are far from out of the woods, especially when looking at that singles tournament, looking at the kind of folks that everybody has in there, the Mercs included with Bibiani and Brendan Meyer in there. 
So it's 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 going to be tough for the usual suspects to really keep their heads above water. Meanwhile, you do have Finstock Exchange, who are you know really now having to contend with corruption specifically. But then, of course, with Swag getting a win at this event, that's also keeping them inching ever closer to that top spot. So, so definitely a lot more unstable ground as far as the faction standings go than what we might have seen earlier on in the season, Colin. And speaking of unstable, um, Boggs, I had a bit of an idea uh, that might relate back to a little Premier League. Um, okay. Could you imagine, you know, if we kept this ninth, if we kept, you know, if we kept it nine and ten, right? If, if, if we took it to ten or had like a bottom two, hmm. what if those factions were completely disbanded at the end of each season and you <laughs> didn't want to be in the bottom two? Because yeah. that's always something that's in the back of the mind. So you of English relegated. You don't want to yeah. be relegated, right? You don't want to be relegated because you'll spend a whole. So John and other sports, non-sports ball loving folk in soccer, in the uh, English Premier League, you have to maintain a certain level of excellence in terms of points earned over the season, or you are relegated to a, a worse division of football, uh, of soccer. So you will put. So then you have to work your way back up to the top league again, and that part of it's obviously a little harder. There's no minor league system for us to fall down to. But the idea of there being some form of punishment for you know <laughs> being the worst team sounds. I don't know. It just kind of came to me out of nowhere. Box authority. Is that something you know? Does that you know liven this whole faction thing up a bit? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be totally against that. I don't know what punishment. I don't know if we should call it a punishment. Punishment <laughs> stakes. Maybe stakes. Maybe yeah. punishment Maybe if they start on like, I don't know, minus five points or something. I don't know for next season or uh, I'm not sure. But yeah, like I, I wouldn't be totally against that. Um, so yeah, I just just going into uh, kind of next week's matches. Uh, obviously, Swag's playing. Uh, the dungeon, obviously, they can get kind of move off from the bottom towards towards kind of mid table, uh, and we've got another uh, pride against the uh, final exam match. So uh, we've got two swag matches next week, so they can really catch, um, you know, kind of towards the top of the league. So uh, I don't know how many points overall they could maybe get. Um, what's the actual point difference? But they could really uh, do some damage. I got you there. It's so it's they could get a total maximum hypothetically of three points. Uh, no, they, yeah, they could get a total of three points, I believe, if okay. final exam knocks out or technically okay. knocks out the pride. Meanwhile, since it's a title match for inner geekdom, I believe that could be three points generally and then four points if Chandru were to say somehow knock out Kevin Smets. Yeah. So that could, I mean, and again, that's obviously talking best case scenario for swag. But if they were able to get seven points from one event alone, yikes. That's literally what I, like, they are then tied for first place. If they get those seven points, they move ahead of, they move ahead of corruption for a tie, which you would have to then give them the edge by knockouts. I would say they would be in first place because if they won both of those matches via knockout, 
I don't know yeah. what the tiebreaker is. We haven't gotten into that portion of what it is, but you know, for for football and soccer, it's it's goal difference. So it's how many points did you score? So the only thing we have here in our table is is KOs. So you know, if they're sitting there with six KOs in the same amount of points, and Finstox has four, I mean, that's you know, that's are they are they playing matches? Are they going to get points for playing matches? I don't remember what they say. Yes, I, I presume they are. I think but... that if they are, they're going to be diminished value, right? Yeah. there'd be one point. I think will okay. probably be awarded and two for a knockout. Mm. I think seems what's going to go down. Yeah, if somewhere around there, obviously it's not going to be more than that. Um. But looking ahead, I mean, we got the play-in matches this week. I mean, we got the, I mean, this, no, not this week, next week, right? Or is that this week? No, I think there's a gap. There's, there's no. There is a gap, week. right? So yeah, there's no there's matches no this week, and we got the pay-per-view. That's right. Mm -hmm. There's so yeah. much slowdown in my brain right now. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, ex I'm kind of excited for you know a little break, <laughs> and then because this is the calm before the storm, yeah, and it's definitely. uh. One is literally coming for me right now. There's a hurricane literally coming for where I live. So uh, hopefully that'll uh, that'll pass before, uh, you know, the Schmodown storm comes. But, John, um, we, you know, maybe we'll do another uh, pregame pregame live stream before the before the event next week. Um, but give me your early thoughts. What's what's one thing you're looking forward to out of the next throwdown? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um. I got to say, I'm interested to see Smets come back. He's obviously, he was in one of the first matches that we saw in this digital landscape, which was the four champions Patreon match that wound up getting dropped on YouTube, which he won. So that still makes me feel like as much as I love swag and as much as the dungeon is kind of struggling right now, I do still feel like Kevin's going to be able to inch it out because not only has he proven he can hang with some of the best in inner geekdom, he can also hang with some of the best end of sentence. So I would probably have to give the edge to Kevin Smets. I don't know about this team's match, man. I was definitely feeling like, obviously, final exam was going to be deep 13. I did think it was going to be close. I didn't quite think it was going to be as close as it was. And obviously, you've got Ben Goddard, a guy who, you know, a lot of people were talking more about rookie of the year before going one and one in inner geekdom. But still, keep in mind, that is still a triple threat competitor who has been playing in some digital matches, knows what he's doing. And Rachel, who people have continuously been discounting, who has that passion right now to kind of shut some of those critics up. And a 2-0 and team as well. Like, there's a reason they were ranked higher than both Deep 13 and Final Exam. So that one, I really don't know, man. I really don't know what I what I what I could say about that one. That one I'm excited to see because I don't feel super comfortable picking a winner just yet. And on, correct me if you feel I'm wrong here, but I, for some reason though, the pride are in the position of, you know, you know, they had to final exam had to play into the pride match. Uh, it feels like final exam or the veteran squad, you know, even though, right. It can, it just kind of feels that way, but the pride are so intense it's it's just their intensity of their love of the game and when you look at goddard man he's he's coming for some folks you could tell you can tell on his twitch streams you can tell when he's on sen man he's he's had it with the losing he doesn't want it anymore and i think he wants to 
I think he's been waiting to really go up against some, like this is probably his biggest test in terms of like overall talent that he's going to mm-hmm. face and see what he's got. Because I think he's, he's got a good shot to knock him out or not, maybe not knock him out, but you know, take him down. And I think that's going to be uh I think it's going to be just like I was blown away by the first match. And it, you know, I was loved it. I hope next week is exactly the same Boggs. I think I know where you're going to go with this, but what are you looking forward to next week? Uh, yeah. So I'm definitely obviously looking forward to the inner geek to match. I'll come to that in a second, but the, in terms of the, the teams match, I mean, I think just overall, as you said, Colin, I just think there's less game tape on, um, on God up. So I think overall, I think what, uh, maybe final exam, maybe a bit cautious going in because obviously he, he has proven to be a good player, but we don't really know how good. Like we kind of know Silverstrini and where she's at. So I think they can maybe kind of uh, manage that situation better. But with Ben, he's, he's a bit of an unknown quantity. Um, so yeah, it's a bit kind of hard to predict where it's going to go. But overall, I am going to go with final exam because of um, higher caliber of players, um, proven and um in d- comparing the two matches that they've played, I think the uh, the two opponents that Final Exam have played have been in kind of uh, better teams, basically, than who the Pride have played. So I'm going to go back them for that reason. Um, and just to quickly summarise in a geekdom, uh, I am definitely backing Chandru Dandapani because I don't particularly like the way that he's almost getting dismissed in this match in terms of, you know, the, the public opinion totally being on Smetz's side as if, you know, it's um, as if it's a foregone conclusion. So I, I say it every episode, I, I tend to back the underdog. I'm definitely doing that this match. Obviously, I love Smetz, don't get me wrong. Like, um, But yeah, he's, I just think that Chandru's got something and I've seen it on a few occasions where people from Swag totally credit Chandru from helping them with studying, with preparation, with how he plays, with tactics. And I just think, you know, underdog, um, like like they said earlier, you know, this is upset city this season. So uh, I'm back in, I'm back in Chandru for the win, for the upset win. Um, but I think it's going to go down to the wire. It's going to be so intense that matches. Um, and yeah, I can't wait. I can honestly see both matches going the exact same way that these two matches went in yeah, the pay yeah. Where the team's match goes to the five-pointer, yeah. and then the the other match goes to overtime. Like I'm totally down for that to go the exact same way because I I eat that up all day. I'm looking forward to the promos as well in the week with you know Kaiser, Smets, Chandru, <laughs> Winston. It's gonna be really oh funny. Oh my gosh, this is gonna be oh man. Just imagine like Nerd Chronics like Dropbox. He just like wakes up every day and there's just like, what did these people put in here today? And it's just like, imagine all like Kaiser actually sends these like 20 minute diatribes that he has to somehow like edit down to, you know, 45 seconds of killer content because it's always killer. And that's like, man, I just can't wait. Uh, So I think that'll do it, everyone. I mean, this has been great. This has been a longer batch, you know, longer bit of episode. Um, we hope you enjoy it. We hope you stuck around. Um, thanks. I mean, thanks for hanging out during the live stream. Everybody that hung out during the live stream. I mean, this is a little bit of a, a little bit of time inception, warpy, timey, wimey stuff going on here. But um, I think this was probably one of the best weeks of Schmodown just uh, matches we've had since in terms of overall quality of the matches since this has started. And it's just a blast, guys. Um, 
so that'll do it, folks. Introduce guys, take it away. Get us out of here. I've been talking to a mic. John, John, you go first. Uh, sure, listen, you can follow me at John Bar Tweets on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, I got to go to work after this, unfortunately, so I'll be thinking about these matches all day. But it was lovely getting to talk to you gentlemen about it. Boggs. Yeah, um, so you can find me at Boggs on Twitter or at ABBoggs on Instagram. Yeah, so obviously we've got no matches this week and then we've got a big pay-per-view next week. But from that point onwards, there's going to be matches more or less every day. So you're going to see loads of us. We're going to be doing loads of midweek shows and all this. So get ready. Um, yeah, so our lives have been taken over by the Schmodown. And we allow that. You can find me at the underscore C Morris. Please follow this show. Follow, join the Outlaw Nation Facebook group. Follow us on YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Spotify, Anchor, all those places. We are everywhere. On Twitter, on Instagram, at T-U-S-S pod. We are all over the place. Winston Marshall, come on the show, bud. Come on the show. And that'll do it, folks, for this episode of the Ultimate Showdown Show. We'll see you next